To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. You can check us out at tobecontinuedafanboypodcast.com. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also listen to us on our various platforms on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. Welcome back. This is To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun, and we are going to have some fun today. As always, we are coming out of Pancake Studios, provided by one Jonathan Vergara. This is true. And I'm, as always, joined on this trip down the wormhole of fanboy passions with my... I like to call him my Robert April, my Admiral, my Lieutenant Giardello, if you will. Ladies and gentlemen, Edward Ng. Let me just get this. Let me just let me just clear things up here. <laughs> the original intention of today's show, ladies oh, and gentlemen, God. was for these for both of these guys, ladies and gentlemen, to watch Doctor Strange multi multiverse of madness, and yeah. that did not happen. That did not happen. Okay. I get the text last night. Don't say right. the how or why. Just, right, I know we didn't see it. I didn't see it. And I wake up and I pull out. For those of you who have no idea what homicide life on the street is, <laughs> there's the 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 avuncular chief character of the show, played by uh, the late and great Yafikoto, who plays Al, uh, Lieutenant Al Giardello, who heads up the homicide unit in Baltimore. Whenever. Um, when his detectives displease him, Al doesn't get angry. He 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 gets avuncular and happy. He he, he prances around with a big smile on his face, and you know, like detectives around him, they go, "Oh, I've never seen oh, him that pissed God, off before." <laughs> it's always it's a beautiful day, isn't it? And I said, wonderful out here. And I and Miguel, was how just, are things going, Kellerman, with this case? He's very penitent. <laughs> uh, that I will that I will say, and at the same time, I I like I picked him up, and I was like. It's a beautiful day in Sunset Park, isn't it, Miguel? <laughs> now, what you the have trees, to... The trees are beautiful. It's a beautiful spring. The trees are blooming. The flowers are dogwood. The, sakur, the sakuras. The sakuras. So, yeah, Ed's, Ed's a, little, a little righteously pissed so, as he should be. the intention was to cover Doctor Strange multi, uh, the multi, in the Multiverse of Madness, but... Fortunately, we have something else for you today, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we, we were, we were, we have to admit, we were pretty packed to begin with because we, of all the stuff that we were going to cover. I will say if pay. we are packed or not. Whoa. Oh, Whoa. I will yes. say if we are packed or not. And we're not packed enough. <laughs> you know, because you know what? Wait, Miguel you know, you know, we, you know what? Hostile takeover. You know what? You know what? You know Miguel, how? I'm, I'm begging you. I'm, I want you to kick me in the ass. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not asking, asking you. you. I'm telling you. Uh, by the way, uh, just to just to uh, segue, they're doing a Spinal Tap, Spinal re- Tap yeah, legacy film. Legacy yeah. film. Yes. And you said Harry Shear is like ninety. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna see He's these. Gonna die. Well, this dovetails into what you know. You're saying we're, you'll tell us when you're packed and, and age. This is a twofer here because for me, my reaction is this just reminds me of everything about Picard because. Um, 
if we had gone with madness and all the other stuff we're going to do, we would be as packed as yeah. a single episode of the Picard show this season, which has too much plot. And also Harris here being like 90 is, <laughs> is I'm sorry, Picard is elder abuse. I'm going to go on record here. The Picard show is elder abuse and we will, we will definitely expand upon that. But we're going to cover a lot today because uh, even without uh, multiverse of madness, and that is a big miss on our part, we still have, the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer to do, do to, to talk about. We still have uh, mo- the ending of Moon Knight, the ending of Picard. Season two. Season two. And the first two episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. So, yeah, we were, we, we, we were a Picard episode going on. And we're on. also going to cover the deaths of two, two major, major, massive, uh, inspirational uh, um, comic book artists. George Perez and Neil Adams. Yes. So we'll be covering all that as soon as we come back from the other side with words from friends. Ghost Dog Studio. Another friend of the show, or should I say the mother of To Be Continues a Fanboy podcast website, Tamara, runs Ghost Dog Studio. From film scoring and editing where imagination, sound, and ideas converge. That's ghostdogstudio.com. Go to ghostdogstudio.com. Freddy's Bar, a Brooklyn local institution located at 652 Fifth Avenue, Park Slope, Brooklyn. If you're thirsty and if you're looking to support local artists and musicians, come on over to Freddy's or check them out at freddysbar.com. Now, Johnny, you and I, we've played gigs there, right? Yeah. And they've got a whole back room full of live entertainment, so after a long week at working from home during these times, close up and come hang out with your buddies at Freddy's Bar. That's freddysbar.com. And those were some words from friends. Stonehenge, where the demons <laughs> where the banshee lives and they no do one, live well. No one knew Stonehenge. who they were, Ed, <laughs> or what they were doing. And yet, their legacy lives on. How? Can you not know what some people, who they were, forever, or, or what they were doing? Do, do, do. But their legacy remains. It's true. <laughs> their legacy will live on forever. <laughs> In Stonehenge. Uh, yes, but, you know but we're, he's right. It's, it's been there. It's been there. <laughs> it's going to be there. No, you know. no one. We didn't know who they were or what they were doing. You know what I'm thinking here? What? Jazz Odyssey. Jazz Odyssey. Okay. We're going to go off of Jazz Odyssey. Um, thank you for that uh, that little pick-me-up because we're going to get into some depressing stuff. We needed a little, oh, a little levity. <laughs> what was that? Okay. That was I, you see, now you, that was an overreaction. Absolutely. I, don't, I have to, I have to, I'm going to try and get myself back down into pivot. a depressed pivot off of this. The, the truth is, this is a somewhat depressing um, couple of stories because First for guys are no. for guys our age, mm-hmm. especially yeah, yeah. Uh, John uh, w- was way too young. They had already gone off into their sort of like semi-retirement phases. I mean, they both active. They both did things well into the 2000s, but they weren't what they were in the 70s and 80s. And of course, we are speaking of the loss of two giants in the worlds of uh, Bronze Age comic books, and that would be the deaths of uh, Neil Adam and uh, George Perez. I cannot tell you how much 
those artists and what they worked on is so formative for guys our ages um, in comics and how influential they were. Believe me, people were trying to ape those guys' uh, styles um, well into the 90s. Let me just say that I was um, in my, uh, I think it was like 11, 12, 13 and back in the day, if you were growing up in the 80s, right, you, you would pick up these little Batman digests, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, you can tell that this was something completely very different, you know, compared to to some of the stuff that you got, you know. If you, if you had followed comics and you knew what the term Silver Age was, mm-hmm. right? Um, Neil Adams, like, we classified as that Bronze Age? or Well, I mean, he was there, like, you know, Neil is thought of in those late, mid to late 60s period. I would say George comes a little later. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you think of Marvel and DC Comics from the late, the, the mid to late 60s, up through the 70s, up into the 80s, mm-hmm. Those guys are huge. They're they're superstar artists. They yeah. they were the kind of guys who could make a title sell, and rightly so because you know what they brought to the table, both um, in terms of general like. And I, I feel a little, I feel a little out of my depth even talking about them. I can only talk about them as a fan because I'm not an artist. Yeah, I'm the same way. No, but you are an actual artist. You know pen and paper. You can, you draw, you can, you have an eye for it that I don't have. That said, from my layman's Ladies point of view. Ladies and gentlemen, if you need a sketch, if you need a painting, <laughs> painting call that yeah, thing. Ed, uh, Ed he is. He charges what? About a grand? We, we, uh, we're, a we're, we're, the joy of comic book art. We're going to, no, well, uh, Ed has an Etsy and we're going <laughs> to. And a shop of I also have a show on, <laughs> I also have a show on PBS. It's called the joy of comic book art. But let's just. But no, no, but I'm, I'm going to say that as a layman, that, I mean, what I can. blob is going to be. The blob. Ha- the blob is a happy accident. It's a, it's a blast area. Uh, but like, um, for me, um, if I have to like boil down both of their, like what they brought with Adams, it was, they were, they are both obviously in the wake of Kirby. There is, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a right. much mm-hmm. influence of Kirby in how those guys approach their work, especially with, you could see with things Frank like, Miller too. Uh, no, well, not, not, not so much. That's a whole, yeah, that's, that's a whole that's other thing. Yeah. Now for this, Neil Adams, for one is the guy who was like, Oh, you want gritty detail and lines and every single thing. It's going to be inked out to the nth degree. And you're going to see every real on that person realism. and a real realism with combined with Kirby's crazy, like, approach to the visual, how the things would leap off the page and how he would do motion. That was very, in my mind, that's what Adams is connection to Kirby is with Perez. It is detail. <laughs> exactly. You are going to see everything in, you're going to see every object in this room rendered. They're going to look completely and totally realistic. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, he also was a guy with his page layouts and he stuff. He doesn't look old. Sorry to just interrupt. Uh, George, uh, George Perez. Yeah, he's uh, Jonathan's looking at a, at our Instagram at, from jo- of George Perez's uh, post, the the post that I put in. Well, I mean, um, he was only born in '54, John. Yeah. So, well, he died of cancer, right? You know? So, but let, let me just say this: the um, in terms of realism with Neil Adams, what do you get? What does he give us? 
Superman versus Muhammad Ali, right? right? That famous cover. Yeah. Going on to iconic covers where Hal Jordan is 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 charging up the battery, right? And Oliver Queen shoots the arrow, exactly, right? And there's a case where it, it, Neil Adams is he's paired with Denny O'Neill on those Green Lantern yeah. and Green Owl because of his gritty style, because that's what O'Neill was going for. Mm-hmm. But he also had, the, you know, he had worked on X Men. He had yes. worked on, you know. Denny O'Neill and him working together on a very influential mm-hmm. run of Batman and Detective Comics. Um, Conan. Conan, I mean, like, like I said, he co-creates Rachel Ghoul, you know, yeah. with Denny O'Neill. I mean, and then, you know, what does that do to, you know, to the all to everything that comes after Batman? I'm here to fulfill Rachel Ghoul's destiny. In a way, it's they not were. like it's not like a um uh, because I I remember very, very vividly the um the stories with uh I don't know if they were co-Batman stories with him and um, Man Thing. Is it? Oh no, no. Uh, um, it, oh, Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. There was also another Swamp. Sorry, Swamp Thing. We'll Probably Swamp, swamp thing. thing. Right. Which I which I did read. You know, um, I just also want to mention the 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 craziness of the Neil Adams stuff from like you know, hey, it's uh, Speedy. He's a drug user. He's, oh yeah, yeah. Well, again, again, that was him. Com- that was him partnering with Denny O'Neill. And they yeah. wanted to be like you know. That was a thing that I think Adams, as an artist, had to work with a lot of those writers mm. from that time. They were Denny O'Neill's generation, <laughs> and they wanted to throw in social conscious issues. Yeah, yeah, and, stuff right. like. and because of that, he got to do a lot of these stories that are well remembered, or at least are noteworthy. You know, um, you've you like I said, you've uh, got. By the way, I need to re- reference the the Miguel just met uh, said social consciousness of the you know where he the the famous panel of. Oh, the black man oh, the talking black man, to talking know. to talking to GL. Like, and like, I, I hear you, you've been you've been helping out the pink skins and, and the, the orange skins. Skin, skin, but what have you done for, for the, the black, black skin? skin? And he's all like, I don't know. And it is think about it. it that is another thing that uh, Adams had a great faces. His characters really emoted through the pages. You know, maybe some people today might look at it as being too you know. Too much of a caricature, too big, you know, too too big in its emotions, too big in what it's trying to get. Like again, you're sure you're, you're my and, wart speedy. <laughs> is I a mean, junkie. You know, you've got you've got speedy hunched over and the the smack is in front of him on the table. And D- you know DC attacks youth's greatest problem. <laughs> Drugs. Drugs. <laughs> um so he you know Freddie Reagan there, huh? Uh so um well is I mean the same era? Uh, it's before that, and it was. Uh, let me put it this way: that you would but never. Nixon, right? Nixon was. Warren yeah, but, well, yeah, except the, except for this one thing. Green Arrow is not that character to promote anything Nixonian. He, you know, he comes at it from a very. He comes. Green Arrow comes at it from a super liberal um, uh, uh, background. So you know, people well, of were. Course. You know, no, but what I mean is that that, that was on the news. And the well, yeah, they're, that's why they're doing that, and that's why he was. And again, that's why the, the DC was doing. They there was a, they did a whole big deal about not producing these books with the comics code, mm. you know, authority. And Adams also as a person, um, because of the age and time he grew up in, he's a he's a guy that grew up on Golden Age books. Yeah. And because of that, he had great sympathy um, for how those Golden Age creators got screwed over. He was a big champion of uh, Siegel and Schuster <clears throat> and of of Kirby. Ownership of artists. Ownership, ownership of right. artists. Um, he gave a lot of people their their early goings, both writers and artists. Um, he When he had his own studio, he had assistants that worked with him. This is not a big secret, you know, but um, 
Yeah, and Neil Adams, even his artwork, he had other people working for him and doing things for him, but that was a way to give them the, you know, away. And Steve, Steve Englehart is a guy who started as an artist mm. under Neil Adams and then transferred over to become one of, maybe one of the most influential writers of the 70s. Now, you can also see the um, where the, the DNA, let's say an artist like John Byrne. Mm -hmm. right, which oh, yeah. I, which hugely yeah, guys like you in our age like right? burn is a very gold standard for like yes. the superhero look and you can see the where the dna goes from a guy yes. like Dean neil adams all the way to the john oh yeah you can you can trace kirby to adams to mm. to burn to jim lee or whatever absolutely right? yeah and yeah and that is another thing his influence on so many later writers adams was also the the cover guy at dc mm -hmm. Um, like I think him and uh, Garcia Lopez maybe were the most the, the guys that every other artist wanted to be like at, at DC at a certain at a certain point of time. Um, Adam now, now was the um, uh, the Hal Jordan um, a jumpsuit mm -hmm. was that his? I think he did a slight oh, no, no, he, did, he did a slight redesign um, with it because you can see where where uh, where in the original uh, outfits he has that. Uh, the black it comes here is where you see now you have the green the, the goes on the shoulders and, and everything it's he cleaned that up um, he cleaned up um, if I'm remembering correctly he he's the one who designed Green Arrow's new uniform mm, okay you know um, the classic 70s and then gives him gives him the beard exactly yeah, that, that kind of stuff and um, you know uh, right guy right place he had his heart in the right place when it came to the creators now there is some stuff <clears throat> I can't deny about Neil Adams and, you know, this. you don't want to speak ill of the dead, but I also, in this time and age world, I want all complete um, transparency about things. Here's the truth also about Neil Adams. As he got older, he got wacky. He, he became a flat earther, Ed. Really? Yes. And not, again, nothing <laughs> ironic. He was wholeheartedly into, like, thinking that that was a thing. He had some... Um, let me put it this way. He produces a story called Batman Odyssey that is... It can only be read to be believed of how insane this story is. It's a 2000s Batman story. It was sort of like, oh, Neil Adams oh, is coming back... It's insanity. It none of it makes sense. None of it follows anything, and it also includes apparently some of his uh, wackier hollow Earth, flat Earth uh, theories uh, in, in inside of it. So you know, he had the side where he was a champion of of the artists. He had a, where he was apparently now in his later years uh, a little strange, a little strange. That said, again, his influence is is gigantic, and you know, moving on to George. I mean, I need. I just need to say this about George Perez. Yeah. The first time I laid eyes on something that was George Perez, if I remember, I remember I was still in New Jersey. Uh, I left New Jersey when I when I was about uh, seven, I believe, and I think it was like first grade. And uh, they had put, they had given us uh, the schools back then. They had passed out free comic books. Why? Because they wanted you to stay off of drugs. And I, you, I don't know if you know where I'm going with this, but uh, Teen Titans had a, you yeah. know, like, stay off of drugs, a, a free issue that the schools had passed out. I And I believe it was inked or penciled by George I, Perez. Ah, okay. Right? Because George Perez Oh, he was, was the Teen Titans guy. He was the yeah. Teen Titans guy, right? Yeah. You know, the amount of detail. <laughs> and that's, that's... In a free comic book, probably, right? right? You know, <laughs> it's just like, it's insane. 
and over the years, you know, we can we continue to consume uh, comic books uh, illustrated by George Perez, Teen Titans, uh, to um, Wonder Woman. Obviously, his runs on Avengers, Justice League, Crisis on Infinite Earths. You know, it's just it's it's and then listen, I could never as as someone who dabbled with comic book art, uh, and uh, I could never do what he could do, right? Because it, the work ethic to do that to pull off what he's <laughs> right? doing is must be uh, insane. Sp two splash page, and the amount of detail that was done it's like it just breaks your brain. And and that's the thing about you know, um, you know, also uh, dove, dove, dovetailing into Neil Adams is also uh, George is a perfect example of uh, creators in the industry who, as they get older. You know, health issues become an apparent, and mm. the industry wasn't providing the things that it that it should have. Um, two guys like George Perez, and it's why Neil Adams was, you know, did what he did to, you know, for, for questions of, you know, compensation and health care and so on and so forth. And like you said, the work ethic of a guy like George Perez to be at that drafting table, and obviously him going over every single, you know granular detail you could get in with these characters. Um, he was he was born to be the artist for things like Justice League or Avengers or to do, you know, he he did <clears throat> two of the biggest crossovers of both companies. GLA. He did, well, well, he did, well, that's even later. <laughs> um, uh, three of the big, you know, he's got, he did the early bits for Infinity, he did about half of, of Infinity Gauntlet. Yes, yes. He did all of Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, with only like a handful of like pitching uh, inking with like Jerry Ordway and I think uh, uh, Joe Rubenstein. Um, but then, as you said, and then, of course, culminating in Justice League Avengers, mm -hmm. which is like a perfect, like perfect writer because of Kurt Busiek. Um, you know, doing the writing and that guy's with all, he has all of this respect for the old, you know, uh, silver and bronze age well, stuff. Well, we, we, we used to joke around. We kind of still like, you know, the Batman versus Captain America. You know, <laughs> it's just like, it's right. Yeah. We got to see mano, George. Mano. We got to see George Perez do <laughs> Cap versus Batman, Superman versus Thor, the JLA versus the, the, the Avenger. And, and like countless... Countless issues of uh, DC's Who's Who. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, I think uh, per personally, I think you cannot talk about the popularity that Wonder Woman has, and you know what translated onto the screen, without talking about his reboot taking over Wonder Woman in you know in '86 after Crisis on Infinite mm -hmm. Earths, and his template, what he took there. Which, if we're honest. You know, um, this is not to take away from George Perez, but it can be said that George saw what Walt Simonson was doing with Thor and said, I can just do that with Wonder Woman, right? Like we can we can get more mythological. We can, you know, we can reimagine what this world of Themyscira is and really make it a real part. And I would say that his influence, because he he wrote Wonder Woman for like about eight years. I've, I've actually copied sketches of uh, of Perez's Wonder Woman. Uh, and they were just they were just gorgeous. Like between between his and also again, the DNA from even Perez to someone like Byrne. Yeah, it's there too. Like Byrne is a very broad stroke kind of a guy compared to Perez. Um, but uh, well, those two guys working together. Yeah, 
Um, as a Superman fan at the time, uh, you know, Perez is at DC, he's doing mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, and at that moment they were like, let's play around with a relationship between Wonder Woman and Superman, uh, probably a better version of than some of the more recent ones, and you had an issue of, I was actually, I believe it's Action Comics 600, and it's George inking. Yeah. Uh, burn and right. it's it's, you know, it's amazing <laughs> stuff it's like yeah and the characters he gets to he gets to do in that with burn are like wonder woman and dark side and the olympians and stuff great great stuff um, the, the, yeah the, therefore i mean it's just about the visual language both uh, both adams and perez um, with with both of them bringing a, a, um, a flair we're not just talking about like you know just bare bones draftsmanship mm -hmm. here on either of them because um with Neil Adams, you like I said, you had those faces. You had the real sense of, like, you. He makes you get into the story when you you see that art. Yeah. You see Batman and Ra's al Ghul in the middle of the desert, you know, clanging long swords gone, together, and you you buy it. Long and it's, gone, over, long gone over the, of the days of the the Silver Age Batman or even the '66 Batman. That look. Now you have this very. Um, uh, Very this, athletic. This, the, the, I mean, the the cowl itself, the way he yeah. the way he pencils a cowl. It it look it looks like it just has its own character on its own. Yeah, right? he you know? very much was very big on big on that, but also very again very you know real hardcore mm -hmm. punches. You see blood and right, teeth yeah, coming yeah. out, things like that. And I think it's a, one can easily say that we would not be getting, we wouldn't have gotten uh, Keaton's Batman without the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams right. Batman, and he very much was a de facto Batman for so long with Perez. <laughs> It's not just the detail of, you know, every single, it's, he had the panel layouts, the way he would do things, some things as simple as, oh, the Avengers are going down into the secret <clears throat> government facility or something. And, you know, you've got to do that. And with all of this dialogue in one page and Perez will have them going down in the page spread out where the characters are all over the place. It's, it's almost uh, stream that, of consciousness, he, he but all with, the details are still there. He does that with stuff. every single, every single group and team, uh, both on DC and Marvel, you mm. know, whether it's like Avengers and, oh yeah, there's one, there's, there's Wonder Man, you know, exactly. Somewhere like, in the background. Somewhere. He's over there. <laughs> you do. And again, he, um, again, his, his run, he, he was a classic Avengers artist. And then, 2000s, mm. uh, Busick again taking over, late 90s, early 2000s, I want to say, uh, pre, um, pre-Bendis. And he's, he's working that and, you know, you know, bringing in every character's look. That was also what was so great about the Justice League Avengers crossover mm -hmm. that he did. Because Busick is like, well, I want to do a story where, like, I never, we never got to see the Justice League and the Avengers really crossover regularly, right? So there's all these eras that you know, we get to see Aquaman in his different looks, Captain America in his different, and he did that in that yeah. in the in the basis of that story. Issues. So you got to not only see Perez do the two big you know the two biggest superhero teams of all time, but every variation of those two superhero teams. <laughs> and that is the thing about um, you know the unfortunate um, aspect of the industry, right? You know, with the passing of these two greats, which is indicative of like you know. People get old. Time, right? yeah, there's just it is time. What does that say with characters design moving on forward? You know, um, are nowadays it's just it's all about you know whatever is on on the big screen, right? Which I think for filmmakers moving on forward, they have they they can decide either if you're just going to generically put them put these characters in tight suits, mm -hmm. right? Uh, with stylized pipings and designs on them, 
or you're going to like give him some flair, you know? Like, oh. And, you know, there is something to be said about both of those guys being from a time when being on model was really important to mm-hmm. the comic artists. They were just like, you know, you had like, this is what they're supposed to look like all across the line. Yeah, and yet yeah. they were still, gave, they both put their spin on, to my, again, to my, in, in my opinion, you look at Adams's Batman and it's like him, d- d- uh, you know, um, um, Aparo, <laughs> those guys, like, yeah, that's, that's who Batman was for like 30 years was there's your, that's Batman. And mm. I think classically still most people's mind flashes to <clears throat> that version of that character mm. and how, how, however it is with Perez, it is, you know, he redefines wonder woman and, um, he adds in all of the things that we see now. If you see any artwork mm-hmm. of wonder woman and she's got a sword and a shield and all that's the rest him. of that stuff, that's, him. that's his, it's his like, let's bring the warrior aspect out mm-hmm. the more mythological stuff. Let's not make it as goofy or wacky and yeah. stuff. So, but it's also the, the, um, again, the, um, this leads up to the kind of the death of the, the comic book industry in, in some sense, like we've been talking about how, yeah, for years, you know, like uh, comic book shops, um, have closed over the past, Decade or, or meanwhile, the the intellectual property is worth more now than it ever was, yeah. but it doesn't seem to be able to translate, you know, as a medium, as a medium comic yeah. books to 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 sort of make. But no, no, that is that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the, the times, times, times change, and no, the, no, the no, economic no. model right now for it just doesn't seem to be working. Now I do no, see. Sorry, no, go on. I do have an, uh, something to ask. Now, that's comparing comic book sales with comic book sales, right? But in the aggregate, how does it do? Like, let's say comic book sales overall versus Time Magazine sales. I guarantee you Time Magazine, those probably sells more. Because comic books right now, right now we are in the, a, a good selling book. Like, let's say... A well-known character. What I'm getting a, at is a well-known paper, character like, say, yeah. Spider-Man, probably only sells like ninety thousand copies a month. Think about that, John. Maybe like nine, maybe ninety thousand copies a month. And if you start saying, okay, well, that's one title. Well, well, how many titles does Spider-Man have? That's true. Spider-Man appears in a bunch of titles. So let's say he's got five titles. So it's five titles, and they're averaging between eighty and ninety thousand. Well, there's that's a, there, not a huge audience. There's a John, very you know? apples and oranges thing. And here's uh, like I'm in a particular you know um, I have a very uh, a unique position on this because my my wife is she works in the book industry. You know, right. and um, but book sales in general are down, right? Well, here's the thing. Mm. To make up for that, they have m- merchandise. Mm-hmm. But for a long time, they've been saying, oh, you know, digital is going to kill print. Guess what? Print hasn't gone. Mm. Um, now, it's still limping along the, there. The, 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 well, hey, it's, a very, it's a niche market. It's very niche. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, time, magazines like Time or even Newsweek, they've gone completely digital. Some have just completely well, like... Yeah, but you know, but at the end of the day, like you know, we consume most of that's uh, of periodicals digitally. Comic books, however, and this is what I'm seeing. Like, if you go to the mall, there are these corporations like Newberry Comics, where where they're sort of like not only they have their own classic comic book section, along with your Funko Pop section, mm. along and also, hey, we're gonna throw in other merchandise like uh, like vinyl, right? Mm. And and you see them, they're thriving. Like there is a new audience that's that's looking into them. Especially if you have, um, you know, a little girl who happens to, to who's gonna soon watch the new Captain Marvel show on on, on Disney Plus, 
right? She's going to be like, you know what? Uh, I'd like to see more of this character. I'd like to get it. Order me some of these trade paperbacks. So the demand is... The demand will still be there in some form. The guy's like, you know, uh, um, Miguel and I, from a decade and a half ago, we said what? How can you afford these? Uh, for for this, like an issue was going for like three bucks, three five four, bucks. Five, some dude, some 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 week, some right? were uh, yeah. We're, we're getting into the five ninety nine, six ninety nine, you know, per issue, and it's like, uh, and then you have the issues with the, the the fact that these companies were also flubbing production times. So you're like, I'm paying five ninety nine <clears> for a story that you're telling me is going to be twelve parts, and I'm I'm already waited three or four months for the second or third. You know, it's. And again, these guys dying are indi- are indicative of the changeover that's happening. Mm-hmm. The, the you know the what was from usually, when they were usually the art value goes up when the artist dies, and I'm pretty sure it's the same with comic books, right? Uh yeah. Uh, without anyone with right now, with their collectability was uh, these guys um, were big on the convention circuits. They were big in the world of artists and stuff. Um, to me, <sighs> it is a it's bittersweet at the same time. You know, because it's because it's it's my childhood, and there's also they represent a certain time and place for me. I would say again, the late seventies, probably through to the mid nineties, where that is what I think of as comic books. And of course, anyone out there listening, well, of course that's what you think of comic books because that's when you were a kid. Yes, thank you for figuring that out at home. You're <laughs> fucking brilliant. Um, but it, to me, what just happens? It, no, no, no. And if you the opinions out of there, Miguel Velez do not reflect the show. <laughs> but um, but um, it, but I'm copying to that. I'm copying to the idea that when I think of the world of comic book superheroes, I think of picking up the average issue of whatever detective comics mm-hmm. that Neil Adams was doing and getting this noir-inspired Batman who is a mortal man and not a bat god. And I'm thinking of picking up an issue of Avengers where everyone and his brother is going to be where this, the, we're also, we're guaranteed one huge battle and at least two or three huge soap operatic moments of like, Wanda, (laughs) we can never be together. I am a robot. (laughs) But you said you loved me. I know. I thought wrong. (laughs) That, that was so with them dying is the sort of like, ah, yeah, this is the most classic, classic version of this world that I have all of this great, you know, fondness. deep love for and fondness for, and it's going to wayside. But, but hey, listen, people, go if you want to n- learn more, know more. And about that's these the upside. The upside is, is their dying will mean that people who have interest in comic book superheroes, and if they hear about it through the grapevine, however they hear about it, they're gonna go. Who are these guys? Mm-hmm. I want to check it out, and I that makes me happy because they will discover. This all of you know, comic book superheroes are now the biggest thing in pop culture. Comic book superheroes have eclipsed Star Wars, so we are now in a world where I'm happy anytime anyone gets a chance to be like, "Oh, you like this? Hey, let's sample sample the mainline stuff. Sample where it all really comes from, where it started. So, you know, just to, even if it just gives you a yeah, better idea stuff, of what the background. The, is. the stuff. I mean, you fans out there. You know, you consume things, right? And uh, it it really becomes really interesting if you if you go look at look for the source material, right? Uh, we'll wrap up in a moment. Uh, quick question: um, uh, 
two moments, biggest moments each from both of those artists that they drew in whatever storyline. The death of Terra. On the Teen Titans. Oh. Wow, you wow, you had that. <laughs> holy cow, you had that in a you had that in forty five in your hip pocket. You were just like uh, Perez, right? Perez, Death of Terror, Death of Terror, dude, Terra, right? Fucking uh, Deathstroke, <laughs> fucking uh, you know she's you know, trying to Geo Forces, uh, <laughs> Geo Forces sister. sister who goes crazy when 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 Slade turns her against. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like so, okay, so yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Yes, that is good stuff. The second one, hmm, let me see. Something else from Perez. From Perez, um, oh, Crisis. Yeah, and, 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 you're, and not, you're not even saying a single panel. What am you're I just doing? Like, well, who, who am I holding, Miguel? Supergirl is doing Supergirl. his, his dead Supergirl. Dead Supergirl, what do you mean? Yeah. You know, the <laughs> covers and the intern, yeah, I, I would say, uh, and for Neil Adams to, um, to reach. It's always been Batman with his, you know, with uh, not, not, not in events, but just that's, that cover of Batman with the with that beautiful cape that he just illustrates. Um, I, I'm trying to think. I don't know. What about you for for Neil Adams? Um, for Neil for Neil Adams, in all honesty, um, it's his covers for detectives when he was doing the, the, mm -hmm. that run with with Denny O'Neill. Yeah. They're just so atmospheric. They're just so it's Batman like Batman versus Man Bat. <laughs> yeah, stuff like stuff like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or his urban scapes again, where like that. I like that he was his Gotham City was not as gothic. It was very much really like this is a this is a big urban city in the 1970s mm -hmm. kind of deal. But it was still dark and and it was more noirish than gothic. Let's and just put it that way. Therefore, you didn't see a lot of like, you know, crazy Joker stories, even though they were there. Well, he did. He had his stuff. Yeah. I think he, you know, Raj he, al Ghul. You know, right? you so know now yeah. we're talking. Right? Um, and I think also with with Neil Adams, um, you got to go with the his Green Lantern stuff. Absolutely. And you know, his Green Lantern, Green Arrow, that that, you know, those like I said, those pages mm -hmm. that you pointed out, how, you know, again, the hard traveling heroes where Green it's Lantern, like Green Lantern, Green Green Arrow. I mean, he you know, you have a you have a panel like where, you know, he's got Denny O'Neill's words and it's you know, he's talking about what America was going through at the time mm -hmm. and he says, Um Um Ollie and he's like a good man, you know, um, a good man was shot in 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 Alabama. This is a good man was shot in Los Angeles, and I don't know what's going on in the country. All I know is there's a cancer that's eating away at us. And you have Oliver Queen talking to the reader, and you've got ghostly images of RFK mm. and you know MLK there. So that I mean that that kind of stuff with Perez, um, as you said, crisis, <laughs> but. I'm gonna show my hell. I don't think you. I don't think you know what's going on in this country. <laughs> we gotta go. All, we gotta, we yeah. gotta take a truck. We're gonna take country. a truck and go cross country. Uh, uh, for, we'll discover this together. For Perez, it's it is death of Flash. Really? Okay. Because that all right. that messed in, me in up crisis. as a kid in, in crisis. crisis. That that messed me up. That whole like I'm gonna I, I'm I'm he, he running himself to 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 the death, and the. Golden Age Superman taking out the anti-monitor. Yeah, you know, yeah. where it's like, well, you know, I'll hate myself. I guess basically Superman basically says like, I'll hate myself in the morning because I have this no code code. But <laughs> yeah, it's the end of the universe. So Superman's going to gonna punch the god of evil right in the face. <laughs> Gotta love that. And of course, his uh, Wonder Woman again, how he, his 86, you know, re revamp of Wonder Woman with, I love how he would draw Wonder Woman. He always had her um, branding, 
Mm -hmm. So the WW, the Eagle, but she had different outfits. It just made sense. It's like, yeah. oh, she's a rich princess. Yeah, she wouldn't just walk around in this in this bare one piece, uh, you know, bikini thing. She would have all sorts of things. And I love that he expanded well, that therefore, for her. Therefore, I yeah. think, um, you know, talking about heroes like, um, like John Byrne, he wants to continue that. You know, and and uh, you know, and and sort of this like, oh, you know, n not only does she have different outfits, uh, we're gonna do something with the invisible jets, right? Yeah, you know? I mean, like again, all the, these, you know, so, I mean, it just goes to show you the inspiration. Piece, uh, you know, bikini thing. Okay, okay, it was a bikini thing. There you go. <laughs> <Bikini thing. laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think we have anything more to say here. Um, I, again, go out, please read read anything that they they would even and you know what honestly read their weird off the beaten track stuff you know um anyone put in a search for neil adams mr t <laughs> even if something as crazy as mr t and the t force neil was still bringing it he was still bringing the, he was still bringing the talent um so yeah please you know go and um yeah just uh honor the work that um so much entertainment uh, today is built off of the shoulder of these giants who Absolutely. really were superstars in their era that I don't think today you can really understand how important they were to comic books at a certain moment. So a moment of silence for the absolutely impeccable, incredible Neil Adams and George Perez and George Perez. And we will come back after with some words from friends uh, talking about uh, some uh, Moon Knight, some Kenobi, and uh, you know some Star Trek. To be continued, Fanboy Podcast was also sponsored by Pancake Studios. You know, to be continued, Fanboy Podcast. We were born here at Pancake Studios, and for the past five years, we have called this place home. Pancake Studios has come a long way from offering just audio services. They now offer Dolby Atmos and surround sound mixing, video recording, production and engineering, a full range of photography servers, and sound design. It is your one-stop shop media production services. Go to PancakeStudios.net. Orphan Guitars. Local friend of the show, Alex, who works at Orphan Guitars, can help you find out what you're looking for, whether vintage or the right musical equipment for your needs, Brand names from Fenders to Gibsons, electric guitars, basses, guitar amps. Just head over to 493 Court Street at OrphanGuitars.com. You know, John, they've also helped with the community making donations to local soup kitchens in the past. Brooklyn's coolest guitar shop. That's OrphanGuitars.com. And those were words from friends. Last time when I saw you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. Only a master of evil, Darth. You know, uh, what's his name? Through through living and aging and drinking and doing train spotting sequel, <laughs> he's done a good job of uh, morphing himself into the original Obi Wan. He still looks he still looks better than than Guinness did. 
However, and, and same, I think he's now at the same at the, age right. around that when when get, when it's because we we aged a lot different in the in the in, in the seventies in, in the in the time before we knew about what smoking and drinking and you know nutrition and all the rest before B vitamins were a thing. Well, you and McGregor, you know, you have to understand <laughs> his shots. you have to understand his uh, his career, right? Now he's he's done plenty of things, but he spent a good amount of it. Like, go watch these. Um, National Geographic things that he does where he's like, I'm going to... Why am I talking like Kenobi here? He Because he doesn't. He I'm, doesn't. I'm Ewan McGregor, and I'm going to be traveling on the motorcycle all throughout uh, Latin America, which he does. Yes, with his with his buddy and their, and their big old uh, BMW uh, adventure class motorcycles. Getting a lot of sun <laughs> down in Latin America. Uh, so, Kenobi! Here's, the, here's a project that... Who we like... You will find out how I'm named Ben. <laughs> That's what it's all about. I wrote the script myself. <laughs> As I was joking, I was joking, I was joking to Ed. He was like, you're going to find out. And I was like, it's going to be as simple as they're going to cut to. He's a Tatooine immigration. And it was like, last name, uh, Kenobi. Wait, I mean Wait, Ben. <laughs> uh, first name, um, um, Ben. Ben. <laughs> yeah, sure. That I'm looks. Ben Kenobi. I'm not that other Kenobi you're, going you're to looking stamp for. my papers now. <laughs> I'm not that famous Kenobi. <laughs> I'm just the workaday Kenobi. So, um, uh, here's the Kenobi trailer, six part uh, Disney Plus event. Limited uh, series, they call it. Limited series. We're, you know, more in this, you know, Wave after wave of Star Wars projects that that Disney's putting out, which we've been into as fans have been anticipating because I think Miguel, you you asked me the question out of all the prequels, Miguel, what was the best thing that to, that ever came out of it? And I said, you and McGregor as Kenobi, McGregor, yeah, you know, and this is, I think that personally, after seeing the the, the trailer, um. I'm a, just a little more excited even than I was for the initial announcement because there's kind of like, okay, what are you going to do? As I mentioned, it's interesting that in the trailer that we saw, he doesn't even use his, you know, his iconic uh, lightsaber. He's obviously in hiding. No, but it does get into exactly what Jeremy Martin says, which is, get off my property. He's gonna- <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, um, uh, the actor who's playing Owen uh, Lars is um, Joel Edgerton, who Joel Edgerton. has had a few years to become a really great actor. Right. Yeah. Right. He, was, when he, he was sort of like when he showed up. In the in the in the prequels, he was a very he was a bit of an unknown, mm-hmm. uh, and now he has a certain amount of stature. And you want to see those scenes. You yeah. want to see Joel Edgerton as Owen Lars going at it with you know with Obi Wan. I mean, he has that with a one line. It was like <laughs> the line is like you know, like the way you train the boy and <laughs> Kenobi's face, just like. Oh, damn. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, honestly, what it, that what that moment needed was. Um, the ooh soundtrack <laughs> reaction that you would get and uh, like in like a sitcom or like married with children or something it would be like it was like he's going to need training one day what like you trained his father Burn Kenobi. That's your name. Not Ben Kenobi. Burn All of a Kenobi. It's turned into Martin. That's what it's turned into. Uh but um <laughs> this is um I am not one of these people who normally I'm a continuity stickler. And yes, it was originally established, you know, um not established, but it was intimated. When was the last time 
Exactly. Darth and Obi Wan saw each other. It was their battle on on you and, know. And what does he, that mean? Like when I was when we first when, when I left, left you, uh, I was but the learner. Now, now I am I'm the, the master. master. And that's generally <laughs> a, a, that can be generally enough. Like again, he he's now he's he technically speaking, you know, he was not a Jedi master when he, they fought. Right. And now we've had some time, and because it's not and very, in Palpatine other words, has like you're a dark lord of the Sith. In okay? other words, he wasn't specific. He didn't say, "Last I saw you, you chopped off my my babies. <laughs> and now, now I'm a I'm half half robot. I'm half robot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so like, I don't have a problem with them meeting again, mm. fighting again. Being you know, on the high ground. It's, being on the high ground. Well, he's gonna have that. You know, here's it's. I I want to see. <laughs> I want to see oh, I want to see Darth Vader on the on the deck of an imperial ship of some kind going what are the, the what what is that a catwalk up there? No, that's got to come down. <laughs> no, that's going to No, no. You don't understand inquisitor. The two things I don't <laughs> fuck with. High, high ground and sand. <laughs> I, I I want you to take a good look around this place. Do you see any sand? No. <laughs> All right. So those catwalks come down. I don't care if they're painting. I don't care if they're painting. Leave it unpainted. That said, and I'm half joking. He only takes elevators. He's never goes upstairs. I half jokingly say this. Will there be a scene where it's like, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to try to get into your head like Anakin. Here's, here's a picture. Here's a video of your dead wife. I mean, think, I mean, because Hayden Christensen is. He's gonna be in. He's in this That's movie. That's true. That's he's in true. This, uh, series. Oh, he's gonna be in this. Series. He's gonna be playing uh, suited? D- d- suited Vader. Yeah. And I, I, uh, I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna get to see him like Hayden, without the mask, in in a suit. I, if of, you give me a fight, are they where, overdubbing uh, James, James Earl Jones's voice? Probably. Which they have not confirmed. Um, but you know, but as you can pretty much expect it. it. They, they can fake it too, yeah, as well. Yeah. What they did with you know, yeah. uh, I won't be surprised though. I won't be surprised. That said, um, yes, Ed, absolutely. Give me a scene where Obi Wan and and Vader go at it, and Vader loses the like half the helmet, and he's like, "I'm trying. I hate you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you." And Obi Wan's like, "Hey, man, you just let it go." Exactly. Have you ever have you have you ever had a try? Try take a little taste of this. I call it Tatooine sunburn. How about, how about re- Revenge of the Sloth? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you know, have you ever have you ever wondered why they're doing all that moisture? You're farming, huh? Now, let me Far- get into, what are they farming? Let me get into some synergy stuff, right? Which is you have um, the Grand Inquisitors, which we seen, seen from, from the animated, animated shows. shows. Um, this is post Obi Wan and Darth Maul having their having their last their 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 last clash. Um, no, it's not post. It's before it? that. It is. is, it it before? is it's before that because that is oh, right. right before, 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 it's, before. That is that happens. Ah, uh, he's older. He's right, much right, older. Right, right, it's right, very right. slightly right, but it's like I would say, maybe just a few years before New mm-hmm. Hope, maybe two at the most, something like yeah. that. Like because that because that's where Rebels was the the time frame was. Um, but but but, but still, you, yes, we it is it is but that that kind of like throws me off because it's like okay, so you think with a series like this, Ben has to go? No, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta leave town. Because yeah, I'm endangering, I'm endangering. That's, I do Luke. think, I do think that that's what they're going to get to. I think where he's going to go to various planets. It's going to be, I uh, like people are looking for me. 
now if they trace me here, I put that puts Skywalker in trouble. So I gotta bounce out of here and mm-hmm. do something and do something else. That said, I've told you this before. Um, the canon, as I under, as I understand it, and I might be wrong, but as I understand it, the new canon establishes that Vader makes a pilgrimage once a year to Tatooine. So the idea is he was he went. I assume he is went. Is that ba- canon? I believe it is. And he senses the Force. No, well, he no, no, because he he's his mind. He's he has only one thing. When he visits Tatooine, his mind wasn't on anything else. He's seeing, yeah, he's seeing the his mom's grave is pretty much what well. It's it not is. not just that, but he, the grave is actually the grave of other like Tuscan Raiders because he goes there once a year to just slaughter random Tuscans. Now, I don't believe that it's canon. I like the fact that it. it, it I like well, canon, well, I'm I mean, there. well, here's the thing: if you canonize that, definitely like make it absolute, yeah. like it's like. Like that, honestly, would be a great like sort of thing where it's like this story is maybe it's the story set up mm-hmm. where he's like the Inquisitors are after me and he doesn't even think about Vader per se, and then like it could be honestly it could be a Shaggy Dog kind of story where it's <laughs> kind of like, well I'm wow I'm happy that that whole situation with the Inquisitors sticking well <laughs> now I can just go back to Tatooine he lands on Tatooine and there's Vader shuttle he's like. Oh, oh crap! <laughs> I I didn't think he would be here. I sort of we went. We, I did five episodes, and also being streaming shows. Let's be honest. There's probably a very good chance that they will draw out the Vader stuff for six episodes. Where it'll just be like you know, it's like and now Vader, and it's just like Vader putting on a glove. <laughs> Next episode, they do the whole story. They have the arm exactly. The leg, the, the helmet on, that, on oh. episode six. Oh, my back is killing me. I don't, <laughs> I got to change these, these, it's these shoes. It's these shoes. That's what it is. Uh, <laughs> I wonder now, I have some questions, which is like, who the hell is Kumai Nanjani in this? Right. Um, right. Because we, we get a flash. And, of and, and also the. Is he Kingo? I just like Kingo. <laughs> and, and, and also the simple fact that, you know, the obvious through line of that trailer um, which is a very good trailer. It's a very effective trailer, in my mm. opinion. It showcases yeah. the best that you could get. At, like it's saying, oh, did you like Book of Boba Fett and, and Mandalorian where we had these incredible mm. production values? This is this, maybe to the nth degree. But I like that, the, you know, you have the Inquisitor's lines basically saying like, look, the Jedi way is an itch that has to be scratched. Like, it brings up what is the level of discipline that Obi-Wan did or did not have living in exile because how when you are a a knight of the republic mm-hmm. how do you just let shit go yeah i've always thought that that was your hook for obi-wan adventures it has to be look this is a guy who has a very strong sense of morality <clears throat> and justice yes he is on a mission but is he gonna you know on Dude. the other hand i think it's realistic i would i would like to well, see he's if on this a mission. In- clearly he's on a mission he's not given up anything i think he will have moments of of doubt of like you know right or 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 until ne- liam neeson shows, shows up, up. Well, which well, by the way is a, is is a fan oh my god if they do if you get it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like as a regular character but if you just give me one moment of him communing and him seeing something <laughs> exactly <laughs> have i told you about uh, why god where have you been i i had some I'm, i had some terrible thoughts about attacking black people <laughs> That I had to. to I've used I've used my skills for other things. <laughs> I'm just going to telling people about my skills <laughs> and this thing about uh, being able to talk to you. That's a new skill. But um, um, uh, yeah, I I. What if there's comp? You know, what if there's compromise? Mm-hmm. What if it's? What if there is a thing where 
I think it's interesting. It's always been interesting to me. It's like, okay, Obi-Wan was on the same planet that was yeah. the home of Jabba the Hutt. Mm-hmm. All right. Did he have, did he come to an, an understanding, an agreement? Like, I could see a story <clears throat> where where Obi-Wan got involved in some situation with Jabba, and Jabba is like, look, you don't want the Empire to know you're here. It's obvious I can't take you out. You're a Jedi Knight, right? <laughs> like, again, there's a reason why you guys were badasses. Yeah. Here's the thing, all right? You stay out of my business, I'll stay out of yours. You don't. You don't mess with the Hut Cartel, and I won't drop a dime to the Imperials. That you know, there's a there's yeah, a rogue no, Jedi strategy here. Strategy is best for for Obi Wan, obviously, to just like to, to on, on the down low uh, until you know the whispers of uh, or like we saw from the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want Star Destroyers? You, you want you want Obi Wan to sing, keep it on the down low? Because <laughs> I'll do that. Whatever, whatever the mission takes, <laughs> keep it on the down low. <laughs> anyway, but uh, uh, but yes, yes. Um, it, th- I think that this story has a lot of possibilities if you don't take a hard continuity line of like, <clears throat> and even again, it's not necessarily continuity that's that's one hundred percent like verified from. Like I said, some of it is vague. Some of it is like, well, we don't really know what happened. And who's to say that you can't have? So I don't have that reflexive like. Now, do I want them to completely trash continuity? <sighs> no, I don't. Think as much will, as I would right. like to see an Obi Wan <clears throat> fight vader thing where he gets messed up i don't how does that would that fit into the later stories does it mess anything up we do we do get uh the internets did sort of have this chatter where hayden christian said like you know i think he intimates that there they are they they do go into duel of the fates you know part two you know the first trailer had duel of fates right exactly it's they, going they to knew what they were doing they they know what they the second sure. they were like obi-wan and oh by the way vader's going to be in this they 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 knew it was yeah. like okay we're going to everyone's yeah, going to we, we're in for a good ride you know i I, just, I think it's a great trailer personally um it's not it's not like epic but it gets my juices flowing. Use, I want to um, see the world. I want to go back there. Again, I I heard uh Robert Marburnett from the John Campia show say if this succeeds this will this will repair whatever Boba Fett, you know, uh, um, uh, um, a damage, whatever damage Boba Fett has done. I don't know. I don't know if Boba Fett damaged, but the Boba Fett in its best episodes reminded you it's like I don't care about this story that you're mm-hmm. telling. Let's get back to Mando and Grogu and yeah. all the rest, and let's get, you know, and Ahsoka and all that stuff. Mm. This is a little separated from that, obviously. I know, but for the franchise, I mean, for but yes, his it solid is. brands. Again, Obi-Wan meets Vader again. They know that that is yeah. going to, that's money in the bank for there. But uh, yeah, a really effective uh, uh, a trailer. And uh, we are in a new century. A, a new frontier, if you will. But it's an old frontier. It's an old frontier of multiple Star Trek shows, right? Did you mention multiverse? <laughs> ah, multi. No, th- because you didn't watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't watch Multiverse of Madness, Captain. No, I didn't. Admiral, I'm sorry. Uh, professor. Professor, whatever. Um, we are in a, a, a embarrassment of Star Trek riches, and we are two big Trek guys from the big Trek the second big Trek generation. You know, we grew up with syndicated, next gen, the classic films. Having to deal with lines being drawn here. <laughs> 
Free Woodward. <laughs> um, if I don't know what Trek is, do you? Do you? Do you? Do you? <laughs> so, yes. So, we are in an embarrassment of, of, of Trek. Now, and yet we get this season two. Okay, you're tough. Yes, I'm, I'm trying to slowly I'll bring us it. into this. <laughs> All right. I love Captain Jean-Luc. I love our logo. <laughs> yes, I also love our I logo. Love pa Patrick Stewart. <laughs> I love Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Um, for the longest time, I definitely was in that sort of gun to my head, Kirk or Picard. I couldn't make the decision. In my as I've gotten older, in my forties, in my, in my 40s, I've 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 made I've laid down the gauntlet. It's like, love you, Kirk. I love you, Captain Kirk. But I gotta go with Picard. Okay, he is a character very near and dear to me. Um, I think you can. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Uh, I'll say. I know you want to get to it. <laughs> it's apples and oranges. Star Trek original series is the first of its kind. It's also set in the, you know, it was made in the 60s where everything was like corny and wacky. Right, yeah, yeah. Then you I, fast forward to the 90s, come on, you, Picard gets like 20, 30 years of like special perfect, effects. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah um, well, last so, that we checked. So I will say, but I will still say, Kirk is the best. Hail Collector! Okay. <laughs> All right. A last strong... season on Picard. Yes. That's okay. Yeah, again, I'm getting to that. Yeah. So, I love this character. I was excited at the at the at <clears throat> hearing we were going to get new next gen era, you know, Trek, and that Patrick Stewart was coming back as Picard. The first season is uneven, in my opinion, and Good it doesn't stuff, doesn't have a great ending, but it is cohesive. It told the story it wanted to tell. Sometimes <clears throat> it even reached certain heights with things, certain character interactions, certain things, certain performances. However, if anyone goes back to listen to our episodes of Picard, we mention things like Patrick Stewart's age. We mention how, again, how the finale and how it ends Would is not particularly. Elder abuse? It was elder abuse. I'm going to get into that. Um, the the fact that he's now Picard, Robo Picard. Well, organic Robo Picard. That's what he is. Yeah, and it doesn't make any difference. You <clears throat> don't know what they kill off Data. Yada yada yada. It wasn't the most successful season, but again, I think they told their story that they wanted to tell and in a somewhat successful manner. And then So now we're all primed for a second season of which this show. they marketed as such. <clears throat> After Picard won, they go into the marketing for, for, for the second season, which who are you gonna see back? Right. John Delancey. Get as Q. This is going to be. Oh my God! Yeah. This is amazing. We're you know like like us. As Even if the boys, first season was uneven, we oh, were looking Delancey and Stewart to together again. Of course, it's going to be good. And what I what can I say about Star Trek Picard season two? But it exists. <laughs> um, from beginning to end, it is a why have we taken this trip? I, I, this is how I sort of shared it with Miguel. I said, this is because I finished it first before he did. It is in, uh, kind of like a rise of Skywalker of Star Trek's. Now that's, that's very mild. It's a lot worse than that. It's a lot worse it, than that. Is it? It's, I'll, I'll put a pin in that. I'd have to, I'd have to decide. I'd have to really think about you know it. You know what I mean? Fan service is there. Check. Yeah. Rise of Skywalker, fan service, right? Right, yeah, yeah, the yeah, yeah. Stuff that, you know, um, uh, you've got everyone, the whole gang's back together. The Picard crew is back together. 
check, right? Not that we cared about them necessarily from the first season. <laughs> right, yes. Right? But maybe this would have been a uh, um, a, uh, a season f to redeem these characters, you know, with because we like the, Christa, the, the Cristobal character. Right. Uh, we liked him. Um, did we care for An Annika Seven of Nine? Eh. Michelle Hurd, yes, of Law and Order fame, SVU fame. Rafi, did we care about her? Okay, yeah. here's and that is that is the thing. You end season one of Picard. He does this. He has this adventure. We have introduced to these new characters. Now I understand carrying over some of those characters, or at least not totally, completely cutting loose and never hearing about them again. Especially when they establish with some of these characters. You have, you know, Elnor, this sort of, like, adopted Romulan <clears throat> son for Picard. You've got Raffi, you've got... But, <sighs> given the story that they wanted to tell in season two, there was zero reason to bring most of those characters back, <clears throat> especially if you're telling me, I'm, oh, what is the season of Picard going to be? It's the death of Q, and he wants to give some sort of last gift slash lesson, whatever, to Picard. That's fine. Stick with that. Do that. And yet... But the show from the beginning of its first episode until its last is over stuff with a billion different subplots that it and is... And the main plots... The one that's being marketed all over here in New York City. He's um, the Every bus. and and Stewart are on are on, their faces are on the bus, right? They're in the subways. They're but you only get the like the, the, the two Q scenes in the beginning of the uh, of the season and, and at, at the, the end. end of the season. And, and you like, don't understand anything that happened. You, if if you want to do a story, and again, this is similar to season one. It reaches some heights with some some dialogue and some scenes where you're going like, yes, give me that. But there's so, so, so little of it, you know, the, 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 the finale has this whole like Q and Picard. And he says this great line. He says, you know, I'm dying. I don't want you to die alone. He says, well, why do this for me? <clears throat> and he says, he says, Jean-Luc, you know, even, the go even gods, gods have, have their, their favorites, favorites, and you're one of mine. That's a great line. And sums up so much of that relationship of what it could be, what this season could have been, what it could have explored. But instead, it's introduced in, 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 in the first episode of, okay, Q is dying, he does some sort of rigmarole because Picard's got to learn a lesson. And then you don't even know what it's about. Well, you don't know how Q is dying, why that's happening. To start off with the setting, right? You know, season one ends, season two begins with, oh, you know, they gave Picard chancellorship of Starfleet Academy, right? That's great. That's what the show should have been. You know that that's my whole take. And Picard at the Academy is what, and instead, you've got to have him out on the front lines and doing this, this, it's like, oh, uh, the Borg maybe have shown up again and we need you out here and those characters also from the first season had dispersed. From a plot perspective, from a practical writing perspective, it makes sense because you can't have Patrick Stewart unless you're Patrick Stewart's uh, uh, stunt double uh, run around, right? So, okay, if you were the writer of the show and you go, we need to figure out a plot where Pat Stewart just sits, sits in the chair, right? 
Uh, no, not in the Charles Xavier sort of way, but like where he just says, I think, Eleanor, you need to go here. And <laughs> there's a lot know, of, there's a lot of, seven, deli- nine, I want again, you to go and again, do this that, and that, now. And I don't have a problem with of aged, you know, but like make it more appropriate because there really was a lot of him running and jumping and you know, trying to do this <laughs> stuff. Like, like John, season one, he has a stunt double for going upstairs. <laughs> I repeat. The man had a stunt double to go up a to stairs. Go up I don't. We were even talking about how lackluster it all was, and it's like, well, how much of this blame can be placed on Patrick Stewart's shoulders? I mean, he obviously must have an executive producer credit. He agreed to do this. I can't blame him too much because he's an old guy, and it's like, oh, he probably just trusts the people around. Okay, whatever you're doing is that, that's fine. But I do not understand how you can produce this second season and not understand and not get. What a mess it was, how it just careened from one thing to another to another to a billion subplots that are all, like, by themselves, pro- most of them would be, that's a season or that's multi-arcs. multi, multi, multi arcs. And then mm-hmm. it was just like, nope, it's this and this and this and this and this and this and this. One begs the question how much creative control Patrick Stewart had on this because we all know Patrick Stewart has had a um, uh, his youth experience with uh, his an abusive father and a mother that raised him, right? You know, this sort of, the the plot mirrored that. So, John, in in this season, uh, there's this whole story about a suicidal mother, right? A mother that sort of had a connection with the son with no show of, like, what, like, where's the father in this? And by the way, later on, Until in the middle of the season... We introduce the father. They introduce the father who happens to be uh, the actor who plays Dr. Baltar from... From, <laughs> from Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica, Galactica right. Which is great. Fine, again, fine. Right. Have those scenes. There's the But problem. then it's like, okay, so what in is In the this? middle of this situation, Picard is like, I'm vaguely remembering things from my childhood that I suppressed. A- except they draw it out for eight episodes... And you don't care. It's like, my mother <clears throat> was down here. She was in this place and she went into this room. And then that's all we're given for an episode. And then a whole next episode. And then we went further down. We played these games. Next episode. No. She in, kept playing the these middle, games. In the middle of the. Of the, what should be a universal, like. like In the middle of the time heist. Right. Right. And okay. He and, has a brain aneurysm, and and then and then there there he's on the bed of, of, of We've got to go inside of Picard's right, brain, right, in order to fix and him. Fix the aneurysm, right. So and while we do that, we're gonna get flashbacks to his job, and you it's so drawn out. Like this is like I said, this is a character I have a, I have a ton of fondness for, and I don't. I'm going like eventually by like the fourth or fifth episode where they kept dragging. What okay? What happened with the mom? Just tell us. Why are you waiting for this, drawing this all out? Because, again, you don't have any real story anywhere else. It's a convoluted time travel story that goes from, like, oh, here's an alternate you, here's an alternate 25th century, and Future. Picard's a evil general, and you got to go back in time to stop when that moment was. And that has something to do with your great-great-great-grandmother. In order who, to get back in time, you need someone who's, ca- who's capable— uh, to make the calculations. And what do they do? They're able to kidnap the Borg Queen, Borg Queen, run this alternate timeline to get back to the past, to fix the past. To fix the past. Now, uh, let me also get into... Um, um, gosh, I forgot. I, I've been so enraptured in this. You <laughs> know, Homicide? But But no, uh, um, so we've got, we've got that. We've got, to, we've got to go back to the 21st century. And okay, cool beans... They do some real 
incisive commentary. I did like that. There was this sort of like Picard and his, his, his crew, again, most of them who are extraneous, who shouldn't have been brought back anyway, but they're there. They're back in time. And basically they look around at 21st century America, 21st century Earth, but America specifically. And they're at like- At that point it becomes, John, I'm not kidding. It feels like you're watching and I've never really watched it. CSI Los Angeles. <laughs> That's what it feels like. It well, it, it, they they let's just put it this way: they look around at what the world is, and they deal with things like ice and the environmental degradation and all the rest of the stuff. And they're like, "You guys are fucking up real big time." You guys know, <laughs> like they 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 lay no. They're like, "Yeah, oh yeah, things were fucked up back then." And you go, "Huh." <laughs> Because you're going like, oh, oh yeah, if the if the Star Trek people are saying we're fucking up, we're we're fucking up. <laughs> okay, but it also just doesn't go anywhere. And then we get into like, oh, Cristobal, they're like, oh, hey, our let swarthy Latino captain guy, Starfleet guy is gonna he's, fall in love. He's fall in love with like with a, la- this, a Latin doctor, a Latina doctor, a Latina doctor, and her who, who ad- had, and her and her young son who has a clinic for illegals, right? And he gets he gets brought in. Then that's their whole commentary on ice, but. At the end of the story, he's all like, it's all about how time travel is dangerous and can mess everything up. And he's all like, yeah, I'm just going to stay here in the past because I like cigars. I like cigars. I like Cuban cigars. I like Cuban cigars, like so women. I'm going to stay here. I like women. And I like women. And I'm going like, no, no, a Starfleet captain in 2022, the world, he that guy has all the power. He can change everything, whether he wants to or not. But they're like, nah, it all, it all worked out. It was cool beans. Really? Then they do things where they like, oh, let's get into cool continuity stuff. Don't you want to, don't you want to see um, us further okay. the Gary Seven Observer so, stuff from the old show? Gary, yes, let, but not so, when you've got 10,000 other things to do. There was a proposed, back in the old original series, there was a proposed concept that was supposed to spin off, right? Which is, is called Gary Seven. Well, it was Assignment Earth, which Assignment was the name Earth. of that episode. If you remember, it's the episode where that guy has like the cat. And Terry Gar. Terry Gar. And it's basically like- It's G- American it's Doctor Gene, Who. Yeah, it's Gene Roddenberry's version of Doctor Who, more or yes. less, right down to the fact that he even uses like a pen-like device yes. Yes. and everything. And there was this whole like, here's this setup in the Star Trek universe of, hey, there are apparently- these but beings, quote unquote benevolent aliens, because we never really yeah. find out who they are, who they are observers took, who took people from planet Earth <clears throat> thousands of years ago, bred them on another planet to make them super beings, and then have and have sending them back to Earth to be like, we, they're going to be the ones really in charge. Well, <laughs> like we're, they're going to allow we're protectors. We're we're, we're going to allow some things and not allow other things. That's interesting. It's thrown into the middle of this story, so, though, where we've already got so 10,000 mid, other things Picard and crew and team, they find themselves in modern-day Earth only to only to encounter one of these beings, played by the Romulan... Um, uh, um, Picard's Romulan like caretaker that yeah, he has in the future, caretaker, right? who for some reason is is the same actress, even though it's like, oh, you must be an, an ancestor. They're throwing that out, and that does that's a whole continuity <laughs> thing because it's like, no, the Observer characters they already said that they bred the people from the planet. They don't use aliens. Why are you throwing so, in a Romulan? So things ensue. Now here's the thing: just when you thought things weren't crazy. Uh, Brent Spiner is supposed it was in the last season. Let's bring him back. Let's bring him back. But he's not Data. He is, in fact, 
a uh, Song great 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 grandfather. Grand, uh, Montalban's creed. Not no, not Montalban. Because that's they. There might be a connection there, but it really is no. He's Doctor Nunian Sung, yes. Data's creator. Yes. Great 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 great, great, great whatever. Who also, who, by the way, has a daughter that he's genetically engineered, who's played by the same actress who played the the the, the android, the, the android girl from season one. But clearly. This Noonian Soong or whatever they call him here, because they he starts the eugenic, the Star Trek eugenics maybe war, because which created Khan. again because we have his story inserted like I've got this daughter that I've genetically engineered out of nowhere and is apparently so important the, enough for him so to the whole entire time allies with the Borg Queen and then it's the end of the story where he's defeated or everything you know gets started. We hey, apologize, John. We apologize how confused you look because that's the season. <laughs> It's all, it doesn't make any sense. And at the end, we's like, oh, Project Khan. You see, Dr. Sun is like Project Khan. Brent Spiner. Let's just be here. It's Brent, Brent Spiner. Spiner. Right. Who, by the way, they, he's a good, he's a, a fine great, actor. great, great performance, yeah. right? Uh, him playing a bad guy. It's great. It sounds like they're trying to tie up loose ends. They are? 40, no, but like 40 years of content with like one sentence. Basically, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. They, and there's a lot of weird fan service. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, and I'm not even against fan service per se, um, or even what they did. All of these ideas and things are fine, but they're like every episode is ten thousand subplots. And the budget, and you I don't, don't know whether know there's a budgetary thing because you know you look at the. Um, well, that's where you the said end, the, Alison Pill's face appears on the Queen's face. You know, yeah. like, that doesn't look that very didn't look good. Like, well. You mean you said you budget? You know, you said oh, it's kind of become CSI Los Angeles. That's part of the feel of it, where it's suddenly like, oh, you're really the majority of this season does not take place in the future. It takes place in 21st century mm -hmm. America, where you can just you know. You know, you can you can film on the uh, on the Pacific Coast Highway. No, pro you know, and you don't have to set dress. Everyone's in regular cars. I just just a question. I despite how our general feelings are about this season, um, the the Borg Queen having to reform and go. I'm cool with this deal. I don't need to destroy planets anymore. I'm like, like, what do you, what do you make of it? Like, let, let's say that it, that they took that concept and kind of, kind of put that in like some other series. How do you feel about that? Could you explore a thing where a character like Girardi is bound to a a, a, a Borg queen and makes her have a change of heart? Are and what, yeah, and, and where we were kind of like, there's a situation, but that's just the. <sighs> Yeah, sure, fine. But again, it's for the entirety of the season, it was just this drawn, drawn out, weird thing. And again, with a character that most of these characters, even though I most of them I enjoyed in the first season, because I felt they were out of place and what they did with them, they rubbed me the wrong way. Girardi rubbed me the wrong way this entire season. And when they went all Stranger Things, let's have an 80s sing-along bullshit thing in the middle of the season, <laughs> that for, I was just like, oh, you have no idea. You're just doing empty no, nostalgia stuff now. I feel that uh, when, when the second episode, second or third episode hits and then Young Guinan comes out, I'm like, okay, they're, they're right. giving us something. Maybe we can do something here. Young, Young Guinan. Guinan. What you, and what they did was interesting. The idea that Guinan in this point in time, Guinan is in 21st century America, John, right? Okay, so she's this long-lived alien character. Or, or alien, she's, we know that she's been here since the days of Samuel Clemens, mm -hmm. right? Okay, so she's been here since the 1800s. Since Roger Clemens? You know, no, not yeah. Samuel, no, Mark Twain, Mark Twain. So, 
she's at a point where Picard, when when he's you know when they travel back in time, he wants to look up Guinan mm. and get some information or whatever. And she's at a point where she's like, no, th- no, th- well, no, she's like, this planet is dying. This species is dying. Mm. I- I'm I'm heartbroken of what's going on in the world right now. Again, their commentary on modern 21st century America. And again, you want to do a story like that? Do that story. I thought they were going to get into some X-Files stuff with that guy that comes in or whatever. Uh, nope. Nope. She's just, yeah. It's just a, it's just here. They, they throw little breadcrumbs of things, you know, like the, that X-Files episode, which is very, in my opinion, kind of interesting. It's like, uh, where it's like um, a boy encounters Vulcans one day and he grows up having this idea of like, no, I'm aliens, gonna, I'm going to figure aliens this out. are out there. And something it's like, he, he put his hand on my face and he was trying to like blow, yeah, like, like, like blow my brain. Oh, was he doing was this? He and doing he does this? the Vulcan, yeah. the Vulcan mind melt And he was like, yes. And it was like, I'm giving you answers. Which like, you is, could, is look, a good scene. Honest, honestly, here's the thing. Okay. I, I, the problem with this season of Picard is I could always think of better ideas for each one of their plots that they had going on. So, fine. You want to do a Trek time Gosh, travel story? the hate is eating up all the time. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> wait, 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 no, no, seriously. You want to do a story um, with a Fox Mulder-like character and do a thing like that? Then do that. But you know what? Since they're all about continuity and stuff, have it be a thing where it's a Fox Mulder-type character. Maybe he had an, an, an alien encounter. Maybe he didn't. But he has collected all the Star Trek time travel shit that's happened. Mm. Where he's like, like, you're connected to that thing that happened in 1987 with those whales, aren't mm, yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. You're oh, in that, 19, that would be great. In 19, like, like you could do, you could get a whole season, but unfortunately, it's wasted and it's baffling because of the talent involved, because of Patrick Stewart involved, and all the rest. And that Trek is riding high with all of these different series, and it's it's even more baffling in light of how absolutely stupendous the first two episodes of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We're not getting into that yet. Before we get into that, I just want to say that uh, don't worry, folks, because mid-season, when they gave us Picard season two, mid-season, what did we see? We were getting season three already. They've been greenlit for season three. And the original cast is back oh, together. TNG is going to come you know, back. Brent Spiner. Everyone's going to make a, re, a reappearance in season three. Now they leave us LeVar with, Burton. we leave us at the end of Picard season two with this like, it almost was a trip you didn't have to take. That's the other, that is the most annoying well, part. Well, maybe the trip was, this will be a way to get rid of everyone because... Cristobal, he's now in, in, in It really in the is past. just it's like, the, the, it starts off with like, oh, the, someone is making, there's this mysterious signal out in the middle of space. This clears. And the, they're calling for you, Picard. Picard blank goes slate, out. Blank Picard slate. goes out there. He's confronted by a different version of the Borg. And basically it's the whole story of, hey, how did that Borg queen end up with Girardi's face, which you didn't know, but it was like, oh, it's Girardi. Here's, here's how it is. And it's just like, yeah, there's something coming through a portal and I need your help to stop it. Oh, we stopped it, but it might come back. And that's your hook for the next season. It's like, oh, the Borg or a faction of Borg are now working with the Federation because there's something coming through a portal. We don't know what it is. It's all cool beans. And it was just like, you didn't like, and again, then tell me, we didn't need to go back in time. We didn't need to do anything. You want to do a whole thing where Girardi shows up and she's a Borg queen and you want to have a mystery about that? Fine, but don't spend 
it, tons of episodes on this that just it didn't go anywhere. Nothing right. went anywhere. Right. Nothing resonated. There should have been a post credit, which is like you know, like <laughs> red alert. <laughs> you know who that is. And by the way, when we go video, we do we are going to cut up segments where. It's going to be called Miguel Explodes. <laughs> and it needs to be these moments. It needs to be these yeah, moments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, again, as I said, it's baffling. And I would not recommend anyone taking that trip. <laughs> I really would. I would not. I, if anyone asked me, should I watch Picard? I would say, uh, give the first season a try. You do not have to see the second season at all. <laughs> and, yes, it is baffling in regards is it to... better than Ice Pirates? <laughs> Robert, you're a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> there was a black robot. But anyway, okay, so. Zardoz. <laughs> so anyway, um, shifting gears, Paramount, the Paramount Plus, we've got yeah, Discovery, we've got Picard, force, we've got we've force. got Lower Decks, and now we have. Nickelodeon's. We've got, um, yeah, yeah, and, and now we've got this Strange New Worlds, which was sort of backdoor piloted with Anson Mount appearing as Captain Pike on Discovery. Everyone's favorite captain. Uh, um, <laughs> and it is interesting that, uh, again, it's backdoor piloted because all of the stuff that mm. is probably going to matter a lot to this series was established in Discovery, for especially at least for Pike's character. Uh, let me just in, just in context, the second episode, episode just was released um, the day before. Right, so we 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 we've only been given two episodes of but, Stranger Worlds. However, those two episodes are, in my opinion, head and shoulders above most of the Trek that's been produced for the last like four or five years. I'm just gonna get this out off of my chest, okay? okay? I am not one of these people who had a big criticism. If anyone listens to our Discovery shows when we were reviewing a Discovery's first season when it was coming out, um. I don't rag on Discovery because it's not like classic Trek. Or too woke. Or too woke or any of those things. Discovery's issues were Discovery's issues. Not part of some broader cultural thing. Not part of deviating from Gene Roddenberry's official vision or the next generation official vision. And even then, it was still good Trek. It still did a lot of great stuff. Um... I think that I do think it has always had an issue in that it made so much of making Burnham a central character, who she's not a bad character either. But <clears throat> Trek has always been a very ensemble-ish, and so uh, the problems with for me in Discovery were always kind of like he, the, all these characters need a lot more development and to be less off-putting, which was a lot of their problems with their first two seasons. Anyway. They introduced Pike because Discovery was a prequel series. It takes place before, you know, uh, Kirk is captain. And the fact that Burnham was a, a foster sister of Spock. Of Spock's. So we <clears> had <throat> to br bring in uh, Spock again. We brought in Enterprise. We brought in Pike. I'm and related to Pike. Okay, you're related to Pike? And here's why. Jonathan Christopher Pike. Ah. That's my name. That's my name, except for the last name. Yeah. Jonathan, first name, Christopher Middle. John, are you the USS Pancakes? Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, John, I'm just going to say, just be 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 careful. You know, if you ever have to get into a, a Jeffrey's tubes. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. He keeps saying no, sir. Um, now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing with this. Um, so far, um, 
with the two episodes, uh, and I literally just finished the second episode. And I said to Miguel, the first thing I said was, if they keep, if they continue to keep this keep it simple, stupid formula, they will do well. And what does that mean? Where it's like, uh, it, not 10,000 different plots each episode, right, you know, it, it's, uh, it has its ongoing stuff, but you it's can not- introduce new characters mm-hmm. and that's fine too. But again, like stick with the plot. And it was a very simple, uh, like, for example, this second episode, very simple, um, on plot, which was, uh, standard, standard Star Trek stuff. We have found a alien device that may or may not be a threat to this world, and we're going to do something about it. Oh, but here are the complications. Here are the complications, exactly. okay? Right. Um, and, in, and in doing that, while we're doing that story, we're also exploring some of our characters who we've introduced. You're going to get to know a little about them and, you know, you know sort of how Pike is running his, his ship. Yes, are, his they, ship. are they still abusing animals to go into hyperdrive? No, thankfully, no, they, <laughs> thankfully they are not. Now, here's, the, here's the thing. Now, you, uh, Miguel has not... Been up to but speed I know, with, I know with, what with, happened with Discovery with the with, with the last season, right? So now they've they're, they're now like a thousand years into the future. Discovery, right? So they sort of tried to implement that technology that you're mentioning. So yes, they're still abusing animals, but yeah. only a mushrooms, thousand years. mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms. mushrooms. Only a thousand years in the future. <laughs> Suicidal <laughs> mushrooms and computers. Um, so um, again, like you said, Discovery, we backdoor pilot basically mm-hmm. Anson Mount as Pike. And John I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to tell you, the, I'm going to tell you right now, I loved him from the second he showed up on Discovery. Um, <laughs> we, he called was, them, we called him and go, go listen to our past ep- uh, podcast episode. Everyone's favorite substitute teacher. He was a substitute teacher. He really was. He really was the guy that comes in and is all like, hey, I, I, I want to find out what you guys are about. All right. Let's you just see take his textbooks. Throw, throw them out. Throw them out, throw man. Them out. Today, today we're going to do class outside. All right. <laughs> You know, nature is going to be our classroom. My, name, my name's Chris. Wilson? My name's Christopher. <laughs> What's your name? Which name? Call me Chris. Call me Chris. Call me Chris. Now look, look at. Oh, here, here, here are my, uh, here are my scores from uh, from the academy. You can see I didn't really do good. In the, like he had like, and as as someone who is a longtime Trek guy, um, this is kind of an odd take on Chris Pike. Uh, different from Jeffrey Hunter. Yeah, Jeffrey Hunter and and Green um um from the from the Kelvin movies um Greenwood uh, Greenwood uh, Bruce Greenwood Bruce Greenwood Lee Greenwood I'm proud to be an American no it's the wrong guy um I always got and I was telling you on the on the right over I said I kind of always had a feeling that Pike was a little more hard edged than Kirk a little more militaristic and it's not necessarily that Greenwood played him too bad as the most recent one but there was a more sternness there it was more authoritarian. Here, as you said, Anson Mount's Pike is, I have said it this way, and I know you maybe you, you kind of were like, I don't see it, but I think he's kind of doing, he is the tech bro Silicon Valley era's version of a Starfleet captain. So, and not necessarily, still the, like, but see, not kind of breaking my brain. So you're saying he's Musk? But not the reality of the Musks and the jobs, the, what those guys project. Not who they really are, not what we know from behind the scenes, but sort of like what they want their PR like to be. And so he kind of, he, he, he kind of had, he's, he's kind of very, but he's, but he's genuine because he's a, because this is who he really is. He really is like a nurturing, caring, like, like, Hey, what's your deal? You know, what's, what's going on? But let's get to the complication of, of this character. Now, John, I don't know if you know what happens to Christopher Pike. 
Well, John is from the original series. Okay, so now what do you what do you remember? What do you remember? Right, that he's in that he's an he's invalid in that chair for for the for for that, which is he's gonna. Well, he has he has double he has double fates. He's fated to, he's fated to command the Enterprise. Yes. Get bumped up to be a fleet captain. Yes, and then he saves some cadets' lives in an, in an accident. Mm. Is an invalid for a a pretty good period of time. And he's put on trial. <laughs> no, no, not that, that. No, that's that was Spock was put on trial. Oh, okay, and then Spock, and then Spock is able to get him to basically live out the rest of his life. Uh, 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 among the the uh, 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 Tantos, Tanta, whatever the planet was, I'm forgetting it now. But, uh, but uh, well, that he would live in a place where he could only live in his mind, mm-hmm. and he was then reunited with the girl from that episode. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so he has these multiple things. Now, currently, what they did was in the Discovery show, John. We as the we knew that that was a thing, right? We oh, Pike, yeah, we know what Pike's destiny is. Pike didn't know that. And so on Discovery, they do this whole thing where they, you know, they have a time MacGuffin thing, and it's like, you know, we need this for what we're doing this episode, and like this, you know, he's on this, this Klingon tells him, but if you, you know, hold on to the time crystals, you can see your future or whatever, and that's what happens to him, and now Pike is aware. There's a, Right yeah. down to the date. He experienced and it. And he tries to repress, and here's the genius of, of, of Mount is, he's able to repress the fact that, you know, he's fated for this, so the trauma is there, Right. Whenever someone goes, where do you see yourself 10 years no, from he now? he says it. He literally, I know, but he, he says, catches himself. Right. He goes, where do you see yourself in 10 years? And, he's, uh, and then he realizes, and he walks away. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be in a wheelchair in uh, 10 years. With Rebecca no. Romaine, who plays number one, who originally was originally portrayed by Majel Barrett. All right. Rest in peace. Um, knows her captain. Yeah. So I already like the, the center. I, that's something I would like, there. that's something I myself, uh, want to like, I want to get a, a, a better beat on because I want to go, is this a thing everyone in Starfleet knows? Or is this a thing that he's like told, like you could see, tell friends? Cause when that Admiral comes to him, mm. it, it doesn't seem like he knows. You mean Robert April? Robert April, the original captain. The original, Gene Roddenberry. Gene Roddenberry. Except this one, he's black. It's a black, black Roddenberry. <laughs> uh, John, no, oh, well, well, black player. He's black. Well, John, here's the thing. Um, uh, Roddenberry had like, you know, when he did his like story Bibles and stuff for, for, uh, Trek originally. And in later stuff that we said, products and things that were produced afterwards. Manuals. Manuals, tech manuals and stuff about, you would always be like, oh, who were the captains of the Enterprise? And there was always listed a guy even before Pike. And his name was Robert April. And you would have, there was a picture of his like previous captain of the Enterprise. It's, and it was Gene Roddenberry. It's Gene Roddenberry. Now, here in, in the first episode of Stranger Worlds, Christopher Pike, he's making pancakes for his girlfriend, and she's got to go off to duty, and then she's a captain. And yeah. then, like, his phone keeps buzzing, and it's like, you know, it's like you, you got to get back to duty. You, you got to come back, back duty. on duty, and so he's, you got to get back on the horse. You got to, and then he's he's escaping his duty, and then uh, a shell comes out of nowhere, it swoops by, lands right in front of like, and it's him like on you got to get back to work, son. And then you it reveals that it's uh, it's ca- it's Captain it's, uh, Admiral Admiral April Robert April, April right now, right? And, and he's so a, he's and the guy. idea is that Pike now knows it, he's going to get foobarred and live this terrible. Now he doesn't know beyond that. He doesn't know that it is. It does have somewhat of a happy ending because he gets to go to 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 that planet and live a life. Mm-hmm. Um aided by the mental powers of those aliens and stuff, and he's not just confined to the chair, and he gets love. We know all this is... But at, right now, it's just like, In the meantime, he's just like, hey, 
Beaming right in between, like uh, well, well, okay, well, 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 let me let me, let me let me right, build, okay, let me okay, build okay. up. So, so <laughs> we now are set with this new Star Trek show where Pike is going to be the center. We've got Spock. We've got Number One. We've Uhura. got Uhura. By the way, Number One is she has finally has a name, Una, and her name is Una. <laughs> wow, how how whimsical! How whimsical! <laughs> <laughs> is that wait? Was that was that your Pekka Spock? Her name is Una. How whimsical. Very whimsical. <laughs> um, and so now we've got this setting for a new Enterprise-based Star Trek show that is rerunning TOS. Only By the way, they also have a genetically engineered security officer. She does. Is she security? Um, uh, we don't know if she's genetically engineered. Well, her, she last said, name her last Noonien, name is Noonien Singh, Singh. So it's kind of like, so come, on. come on, please. You know that that's going to come up at some point. <laughs> um, so we have this new Star Trek Enterprise-based show that is just going to be Star Trek. It is Enterprise on a mission, go to a different world each week, explore, yada. Affable captaincy. Affable, hey, right. <laughs> I've got dinner dinner plans in my quarters. Why don't you come along? Why don't you come along? And he is, I, that is the thing. He orders. has this. He really, oh, John, by the way, when you see this, so like you remember what like Kirk's quarters were on the show. Yes. And you remember what the next gen like Picard's quarters were. Um, Pike's room on the Enterprise it's the on the show? Of your whole entire apartment. Bigger! <laughs> He's got a With fireplace! A <laughs> and I'm going like, what, what did, what did, did something happen? Did Kirk, just like, yeah, this is too much space for me. I can't. <laughs> I'd get lost in here. <laughs> what am I going to do with a fireplace? He's Spock? Uh, he's chopping. <laughs> he has so he has the uh, the on the second episode he has like the senior crew. Just uh, a dinner for dinner, and he's chopping up vegetables and hors d'oeuvres and everything. He's in his apron. casual clothes and everything. <laughs> he's like, come on, well, like, so tell me about yourself, John. Tell me about yourself, Or <laughs> Tell me about yourself. Um. So How have you been? so this show is basically going to be old st old style Trek with a brand new coat of paint. And from the get-go, it, it starts off on the right foot. We have Pike's obvious trauma and stuff as, a, as the background radiation because it will play – it plays very heavily both into the first season. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. But um, it pay, then we've got I, – I myself am a little cold on Ethan Peck's Spock right now. I'm not totally against him. I do think the material is good. I, I think he's got to still, he's got to zero in on it a little more to make him just a little more. John, the Vulcans are as horny AF in this. So, okay, John, you, you remember that Spock has that episode yeah. of like, who is that? That is to prick. My wife. My wife. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. And it's like, no one knew this. Whereas yeah. here it is, okay, Spock is with Starfleet. He has his, that betrothed, that character. And she's like, okay. And they have this very cheeky, beautiful Vulcan, Indian Vulcan, actress plays her. Vulcans in love. And they're doing this sort of like very funny, very matter of fact, like they're logicals. Um, but they bring up what John as a fan of the old show you remember what what his what his fiance said about him at the end of the episode she was less just, she was just like you're never here okay and i'm married to this legend that everyone has this pressure and now um there's another man what did you think was going to happen with you never being here on vulcan they, it's they, a very human problem 
Well, all right. human, but also again, it is it is like it is a way of like going to Spock's face, sort of saying Can't again. Control. Well, 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 more, just... well, more, more like um, Spock. I'm with another man. Isn't that mm. only logical? And even in that episode, Spock is like, yeah, yeah. I guess it make it, it makes sense. You're. I'm never here, you know. Um, I've seen so some, that's pro- a, I've seen so some that's promos an interest- where where the those Vulcan axes. Oh, they're gonna clash. have that. So awesome, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm going to fight for your honor. Yeah, no, no, no. To so so um, in the meantime, I've so, got so we've to got, get with the yeah chapel. With, with chap- So we've got <laughs> obviously a thing set up for Spock with his. Uh, with his betrothed, and as you his love pointed, problems, and, 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 and as also we, we we Nurse Chapel is there, and we know that they've there's always been a thing there, and I, I hope they explore it. We have this new crew. Mm-hmm. Yes, we're going to see uh, faces like a new her that we're used to. We're yeah. used to her as a character, but we have a chief medical officer who is a character from, from TOS. Who was a black character that showed up twice? Who was like a specialist in Vulcan physiology or yeah. whatever? Um, and now we've got like he's Sam Kirk. We've got Jim Kirk's older brother <laughs> with the must with the By mustache. The, way, the future is not looking pretty bright. If like people still like growing mustache, the porn stashes. Bad, bad, bad mustaches. Bad. Yeah, bad mustache. But as you pointed out, hair care in the future is is through the roof. Because the quaffs on this this team, everyone looks like they wake up and it's just like conditioner styling. You've got the you've got the helmsman Ortegas with her with her buzz cut to, uh, you know flat top thing. You've got Uhura's got like the super close crop uh, buzz thing. You've got Pike who's like he's he's There's apparently a queef. He's auditioning for uh, for Conan O'Brien. Um, no, don't say that. Yeah. Well, it's a, don't it's, say it's, that, dude. His hair is as big as Coco was at its height. It's really. Um, uh, so, you know, there's a lot going on. And from the get-go, it's it gets off on the right foot because the first episode is a first contact episode that is all about commentary about today because, believe me, this show wears its progressive liberal mind on its sleeve. Well, that and also the... Let me also say that um, the the action sequences, the the, the dog fights, yeah, the, yeah, where, the, where somehow... The Enterprise is able to maneuver. I've never starts, seen that before. It starts moving like the Millennium Falcon. Right. Thank you very much. Right, it, so they, they got it. It's like it's like you, you got to get us out of okay, here, Combs. So, so the 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 showrunners are going. We need to give something for the Star Wars for the, the Star well, Wars. Well, I, I think less Star Wars and more just modern. Just we gotta it, we gotta have a little more oomph here and there. Yeah. We've got the 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 you know really think about what this technology we've got does. And I don't just mean technologies and the special effects. I mean, like, again, you gotta be like, what's going on here mm-hmm. in this world? Interest Again, I love for, so the first episode is first contact. And I don't know if you, you know, remember this or not about Star Trek, John, but in their universe, they're like, look, we don't make contact with pre warp civilization. That's the prime directive. That's the prime directive. We don't affect pre warp. That's their big dividing line. Cause they're like, look, once you're out there in space, you will inevitably meet all these other. You're going to run into the Klingons. You're going to run into the Vulcans. So you've made your presence known. Okay, but you're, what if? Okay, what if from Discovery because of the time travel wormhole, whatever. Basically, yeah, some stuff like got leaked out, and uh, they were able to Starfleet, download the yeah. technology. No, well, basically, it's this. It's a WikiLeaks. <laughs> well, uh, well, what it act, what it happens is this is like uh, uh, in Discovery's previous season before when when Discovery went into the future, they had a big old space battle finale thing, and they're like, 
yo, it was close enough that the world that they described seems to be our world maybe a little bit more sophisticated, a little bit more technologically advanced, but not by much. We're talking 50, 60 years, less than 100 years, right? And so they're like, huh, that's kind of odd. How did they develop, oh, you know, warp capabilities? And number one is goes into investigating another ship. She gets, you know, taken in by, by the people. Into their CIA. And it, it is. And it, here's the thing. They are aware of aliens. Yes. But they're not a warp civilization yet. See, they used their version of the Hubble telescope to, they saw <clears> that <throat> battle. They were like, and from the readings there, they were able to figure out warp and antimatter drives. And it was like, the thing is, um, it's not an engine. It's an animal. They're making bombs. They're making warp and that, bombs. And, and that's created like sort of a civil war on this alien planet. Well, no, they were already in the middle of their shit. Oh, and yeah, now right, suddenly, right. oh, here's warp technology and antimatter technology. This, this is how close to production is, right? Pike beams in, in the middle, like reveals, oh, this is what, this is who we are. And you have a choice. You can do this and that and whatever, right? Well, okay, no, it's, yeah. it's, it is more... They go on a rescue mission to get their people back, right? And they're observing the, 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 this, the society. And it is a society like ours. They make no bones about it. And they're all like, um, there's obviously some sort of weird right-wing stuff going here. There's mm -hmm. xenophobia. They're turning in against, against themselves and other people. They have their adventure and everything. And they're all like, okay, here's the problem, Cap. We kind of caused this. When we had that battle, even though we didn't the mean to- The hell with to, rules. Exactly. <laughs> and we, we didn't mean to do this. What's our responsibility? And then overarching is Pike's own fate, that he sees a future for himself that has no hope. And yet the whole episode turns around- But what is the right thing, John? Okay, so the, 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 here's, no, here's the thing. So he's like, it's okay, <laughs> now we have, now that it's been revealed and everything is going on, it, this is just going to accelerate. It's going to be even worse because they're like, yo, there were not one, but two alien spaceships that showed up for this shit, right? Um, we know that this is out there, but he's like, they're going to destroy themselves. It's inevitable. And he's, it, again, his fate weighs on himself mm. and he makes a decision. We have a responsibility. And he, the way he takes an accident, he's like, look, it's, the contamination's already there, right? All right, Captain, uh, Starfleet captains have a lot of wide latitude. They're like, look. Captain's blog. <laughs> so in the middle of basically I, what I would assume would be their Congress, <laughs> United Nations, whatever, he literally just comes down in the- and this, and is, this is what I want to get into. So he beams right into the middle of a debate. And what does he do? Hey, send some YouTubes from, from our, from, from our, from like, our hey, century. He's like, hi, guys. And uh, he shows a bunch of YouTubes, all right? Which is like, this is our planet, right? This is this is this is this is he's where, this and he's talking about Earth. This is Earth. He's talking about Earth. Earth now. Now in we the twenty first century. We weren't always like this. No, well, no, he no. Actually, he goes. <laughs> we were a lot like you because they show shots of their world, and it's an alien modern world, but it's our modern cities and like. And no, it's, it's not any, it's not, again, it's very much like if you took a, just a shot of New York City, right? It's that their level, okay? And he's like, we were like you. And he shows, you know, shots of 21st century America. He says, you know, we were, we were battling amongst ourselves. We were letting our ecosystem die. He says, but it, we let it go too long and we were headed down to destruction. And this is what happened. He says, you guys, oh, you guys have, have, a, have, have, have this new bomb? Yeah, we had bombs too. And then he shows it. He shows everything. 
He shows our politics, where it leads, and he shows the nuclear now, he, he war my name, that happens. The Second the Civil second War. Second American Civil War. Civil World War Three, which we already know in Trekdom, right? That that exists. But he laid down. They're like, oh, yeah, no, America, yeah, there's a Second Civil War. Yeah. As far as I know, Trek has never, like, they're like, no, we see where politics is going. We're laying yeah. our cards down on that one, which is a little... Okay, so classic Trek, and it's and he says, "Look, we nearly destroyed ourselves. We thought we were on. You know, if you were to look at that, it would be we were inevitably on a path towards extinction. And yet, we made the choice to be better. We made the choice to hope. We made the choice, and it's this the montage good. stuff where he go. You know, his he message goes to Roddenberry, like is that, smiling, and you see that this first contact." It, 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 maybe not the leadership, but the populace of this world is now, oh, we have stepped into a larger world. We have to grow up. We have to be, we have to, we have to bet on hope for the future. And it's fucking beautiful. Everything about it is classic Trek to the nth degree. <clears throat> is he Kirk? No, he's not Kirk. Cause he, like you said, the very idea of the way he does it is not what Kirk would have done. Like he beams <laughs> down and he's like, oh, uh, hi there. Um, uh, sorry to interrupt your situation. Like, you know, if it were Kirk, it would have been some uber dramatic monologue. Don't of, you see that you're kid? Gentlemen, <laughs> Don't you see that you're killing yourselves? Long ago, my people. We were just like you. We <laughs> were on the verge. That episode, that very episode in the original series. Right. Well, that's yeah. Okay, they they have that. And they discover cons. The cons and the gangs and then he goes to, like to the computers, a like, computer or whatever, or Spock does. But they're like, you know, in the year twenty twenty. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Well, they, well that, they and do. There they, was conflict. Right. Right. Mutual self destruction. <laughs> yeah. Again. There again. was that bird life. <laughs> uh, Again, that again, yes, but but that was important. They they again, they always said yes. There's a World War Three and yada yada. But this is like they're going like mm, this is what made no. This is what made it happen. Yeah, yeah. They're like, look, this this country, politics. bad politics, where we were going, I environmental degradation, everything else. The and analogy is Pike is us. We're fated for destruction, but we have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and that's and that is what makes this such beautiful trek. You know, that they're they're laying all that politics on its sleeve while still doing. And again, this is the thing. Anyone if you are complaining that Star Trek is too woke for you, you never got Star Trek. It was always woke. It was always woke for its time. Hello. It was always the first interracial kiss yes. on national television. Commentary on the Vietnam War. Horny commentary Vulcans. on Horny Horny com Vulcans. commentary on on on, on racial sexy. and political and so on. It has always been that. So if you're complaining about it now, you never got it. And you never will. Thanks, she's Steve Shives. Okay, anyway. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> Steve Shives, we love you. We love you, we Steve do. Shives. But we must destroy you. 
We must somehow. Steve Steve you're too good at your job, Steve. Premier commentator, commentator. I would say YouTube he is. I would say at this point in time, he's the ultimate Star Trek commentator, commentator. On, YouTube. on YouTube. That's just me. But yes, we we will find you, and we will destroy, you. and we will destroy you. <laughs> two you're, against one. You're two. Yeah, there's two three of us. One. There's two, three against one. Exactly. We can. We got a man in the chair. It's a promise. We we love you, Steve. Um, so uh, this show. So far, in its first and second episodes, are very strong. The second episode is not as resonant to me as the first one, but it's still not every episode of Trek was resonant. It could still be good. It was still a good, it solid was, episode. It was good because furthered it was the characters, like you said, right. it was it was simple. It gave us a spotlight to the character of Uhuru, who, let's be honest, before before the the Kelvin movies. And uh, who's the actress who plays her in the Kelvin timeline? Well, G- Gamora. Uh, um, what's that actress's um, name again? Um, um, <sighs> also Avatar. Yes. God. Also, Avatar. <laughs> also, yeah, she's 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 cornering the market. Is she, is she if she's not in Star Wars yet, she will be. Um, not Thandie Newton. God, how can I forget her name? Anyway, uh, up until the Kelvin timeline Randy with her home. Uh, up until the Kelvin timeline, we uh, you know there wasn't necessarily a, a lot going on with her. And in uh, you know here we get some insight, some background, and I'm very much looking forward to what they're going to do uh, with her and with all of these new characters. Um, that both new actors portraying them, like I said, we have Nurse Chapel, who's a different actress, but also Zoe, ha- Zoe, yes, <laughs> Zoe Saldana. Um, but also we have things like. Uh, we have a chief engineer that's been brought on, and he's an Anar from Andoria. So we got a different, or as I called him uh, before you got into the car, when, as you got Daredevil into car, Andorians. Daredevil Andorian. You're like, no, he's not an Andorian. He's an Einar from he's Andoria. An uh, you know, uh, the furthering of Spock's plot, where this is going to go, and the overarching big question Horn, of Horny Vulcans. Of of of. Boss, that's a, that's the third time you said it. I like it because <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, we're going to have. Obviously, Pike's big overarching uh, story, which I think, honestly, two things about that. One, I think you can you can milk that for years. <laughs> well, it's a five year mission, right? So, yeah, yeah. You, know, you can you can you milk can, that for multiple seasons. It's, and this is the thing. The uh, secondly, the, wait, wait. The, secondly, what's important is this, John. Um, I want you to imagine if I told you, or somehow I had the power to show you how you're going to die. And it says, John, you are going to... But it's also, it's also fact that it's unavoidable. Right. Okay. But here's, here's my point. My point, it's unavoidable. It's, it's established. Well, we know it's, we know it's inevitable because that's where the show, that's what happens in Star Trek history, right? Okay. John, if I were to give, if I were to somehow have the power to say, John, I'm going to show you a vision of how and where you die. And you, Mm -hmm. uh, and you're like, oh, you see it. And you're like, okay, I'm 78 it's, you know, I see that I basically have most of my faculties, but I die from this disease, blah, blah. Okay. All right. And I bring you back now, John, I have now just given you a kind of immortality in any situation, right? <laughs> John, That's John, walk into that bank and, and rob it. Now, as far as you saw in that future, you weren't in prison and you weren't b- riddled with bullets. Yada, yada, you died as an, as an old man. Well, no, Captain, don't go into that reactor room. It's fine. It's don't fi- worry about it. No. Pike Things will has, work out. Pike in his, if they take this right now, he's in melancholy mode. He's in, <laughs> you know, I'm bargaining, you know, depression, acceptance, that kind of stuff. At some point, it's going to have to occur to him when, so, when, when he's, you know, Captain, 
I have this phaser at your head. If you don't do this, I will shoot. And he'd be like, do it. <laughs> <laughs> what? I will, I will melt your face. Nah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you're not going to melt my face. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to come out of this, you know, without a scratch. <laughs> he... Because he knows his ultimate fate. Now, of course, the complications are everyone around him, the missions. I want them to explore that um, and what that could mean for the character. He could become more reckless, less reckless. There, It's a fascinating, if I may say, uh, approach to a character. Yes, uh, yes. Let, let, me, let me just end with this, that uh, on, on this note. The Anton Mount is really good at what he's been doing here as, as that. Now, prior to that, Am I allowed to to get to get into a little bit of spoilers with the uh, with madness? No, none whatsoever. <laughs> no, no. But oh, okay. I, whatever yeah. you're. By the way, whatever you're saying, everyone knows or, or, already. But <laughs> <laughs> well, what I mean is that, uh, and, and to use your term, we're in a mountessance. A mountess, uh, an Anton mountessance. Because right? he's everywhere. The success rate formula for anything, especially if this TV show continues to to do well, then might it lead to like something cinematic one day. Who knows? Leading would, up to Kirk, because that's all. That's the other thing. Everything leads all up to Kirk. To lead, lead to Kirk. Well, look. I mean, they got his brother. His brother in, on, in, on, on, on on the ship, and we know he was introduced. Um, he showed up on Discovery, it, didn't he? Uh, not on Discovery, but it was a, an original episode, played by where Sam Kirk, you know, the dead Sam Kirk. They they flip his. No, body no, no, no. Like, I'm, no, I'm talking about uh, 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 James T. Kirk. Hasn't he shown up in the post Discovery he not, world? He's not. He has oh, post Discovery. No, not yet. I thought he had. I thought yeah. he had. And anyway, regardless, you're right. We have this whole setup of like we there's a five year mission, and at some point Pike is gonna mm. Pike is gonna leave. Um, in all honesty, the ultimate fate of Una <clears throat> of his number one. She's not on the Enterprise when Kirk. Does right, she get her right. own command? Does right. the character die? Mm -hmm. What happens with her relationships? So you know that like they've got a lot to play with. Yeah, well, and mom and I dad, cannot, mom and dad, they're cleaning dishes together. <laughs> Like after the dinner party, you know, Una and Una and Pike. <laughs> yeah, and it will be, honestly, that's another part of the, I will be interesting to see how they develop that relationship without making it about mm -hmm. a sex yeah. or anything. And it's not, yeah, Rick and Romain Sam, you're gonna, well, yeah, 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 you know, the, but, but exactly, that's the whole point. She's not, I don't think she should be. I think she really should be his Riker. You know, yeah, she should be like that, right. like, like I am the, your clutch number one guy. You want to get, I mean, you're a number one gal. You want to get something done on this ship. You come, you know, right. I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, I can't recommend this show enough, John. I really wish I, you know, give it, give it a shot. I can't recommend it so far. It's a stronger beginning than Discovery had. It's certainly a stronger beginning um, than Picard. And I, to me, worry, there'll be a to, new season. To, to me, I would I would position this as the flagship show of the Star Trek shows if I were Paramount, because it's gonna deliver on what Star Trek is, and I think it's accessible for a new. Like you go watch Picard and look. If you are not well versed in thirty plus years of next generation nonsense, <laughs> nothing in Picard is gonna matter to you. This, you can come in completely fresh right, yeah. with only the vaguest idea of, oh, Star <clears throat> Trek. Yeah, okay, I get it. And you probably can hit the ground running and, 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 and enjoy it. So overall, please watch this show. Watch the show. Give it the support because it, it deserves it. It deserves it. And uh, I think that's all we've got for the show today. Uh, like Good I said. Night? Well, we'll come back after these words from friends. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love... 
our logo. No, really. I love our logo. The To Be Continued Fanboy Podcast logo was provided to us by friend of the show, Matt Sulkowski, who also runs MSD Studios. And what does Matt do at MSD Studios? He provides positive reinforcement for your brand. Located in Philadelphia, Matt has worked with clients of all sizes and has helped them to focus on designs for campaigns, rebrands, and new brands. Get in touch for your next project, MSD Studios. That's msdstudios.com. And we're back with more show after those words from friends. Um... Wow, I, I messed up. I, I forgot that we were doing Moon Knight today because there's just yelling. I told you we were packed. We're packed, Ed. We gonna handle the multiverse of madness. You don't talk. You don't say anything. He's still angry. He's seething. He's seething. It's a glorious day. It's Miguel. a glorious day. It's beautiful, Miguel. All you right, know. Let's go. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's tackle the uh, the Moon Knight finale. Yeah, we talked about um, the first like three episodes or so of Moon Knight. Yes. Um, from our go check out our last show. So, picking up from that midpoint to the end, okay, I I laid my cards out on wh- wh- our last review where we were talking about mm-hmm. it, and I was like, I'm a big Moon Knight fan, he's a niche character, but I've always <clears> enjoyed <throat> him. But this, this was, show, like, if you were to handle it, th- it you would I would not have done the Moon Knight in live action the way that this show did. I don't think that that automatically made it a bad show in mm-hmm. my mind, and I did enjoy, I enjoyed it almost up until the last episode. And my issue with the finale was that at the end of the penultimate episode where, you know, Mark Spector is shot and we're Mm. getting the inside stuff in his mind and so on and so on. Oh, oh, we've got this is where this is where Oscar is going for the Emmy. Right. He's going for he's going for that Emmy because he's like, I'm playing multiple parts and all the rest of stuff. And we're it's a big they wanted they legioned it up. You know, it's like, oh, it's going to be this weird, trippy headspace Mm. stuff. And then we pick up. You know, it's like, okay, well, you've got one episode left to wrap up most of your, you know, tie this thing up because <clears throat> we don't even hear that they, it was going to get a season two. And it holy is, cow! It is and it's also wacky. one of the, it's one of the shorter episodes. Mm-hmm. And that was my overall, it's not so much that like, yes, it's not, you know, the, you know, shout out to friend of the show, Pete Madera, who... Big, also a big Moon Knight fan. Big and Shazam fan. Big, he was not a fan of what they did with Moon Knight in here. Um, I, I'm i sure, Pete, if we could get on the show, we've already trying to get you back on the show, Pete. We want you to get on the show. Um, <clears throat> I think his issues were not just with that it wasn't like the book. I think he also had certain issues with, with the story itself it was telling. I had less of that. The problem, again, comes with the finale. It's like, we've s- all this setup, all this stuff about going on in his mind, all the stuff with the, with the wife, all the stuff with the gods, and we get it. They tie it up, but it feels very faster than it should they, be. Yeah, it, it really went from- bigger like, than it should be. It went from one to 16, like, like the last- In Tom a microsecond, yeah. In a microsecond, right? Because- He's dead, he's back to life, he the, gets power. The head stuff, get- the-, the uh, the origin story of Stephen Grant's, how he came to be, oh, you know, because of abuse, abuse or whatever. And then the connection that's made between, finally, they established, no, no, these are two different characters, mm. right? 
uh, and and uh, sharing a body. Yeah, yeah. And then one can't really live out the other one, and he's realizing, no, I, 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 I need I, this part of me right. for for whatever reason. And okay, so great, we're gonna move right, forward. You and know, right, right. Adventure. And it's like right. he comes back to life. Yes, he gets his power back. The gods are fighting. The gods are fighting <laughs> as kaiju in Cairo. Kaiju in Cairo. Invisible, and they're invisible to the or to the, are to regular they? Eyes. I don't I, right. know. The wife is also an avatar, and now she's an Egyptian now she's, hero. Uh, the Scarlet Scarab as a as has been. I think it's been confirmed. Is that okay? Uh, and it's kind of like um, <clears throat> it's just a lot happens, and then it sort of just finishes itself. And we have this <clears throat> big statement of like, I'm not gonna work for you anymore, Conchu. Yeah. And honestly, my favorite part of that whole finale was the post credit scene. Mm. I just kind of felt it was the, the, the rest li- of it the was limousine, the limousine with the idea of oh, Conchu is like, you know, I want you to still work for right, me. I want right. you to be the avatar, and both Mark. And Steven are like, no, no we're not right. down with that. We're not down with your method of justice. We're not down. We're not going to become killers. And I then there my, was always I have my the, ways of right, making them right. making you work. And then we have the sort of like this thing that for anyone who was a fan of Moon Knight knew there was like, oh, here's this third personality we know, Jake Loxley, and <clears> he's he's a cab driver, ob- obliquely referenced in in the show. I, probably the biggest one was the fact that. When we were in the psychic plane of mm-hmm. Mark's head, he came out of a sarcophagus. Stephen came out of a sarcophagus. And as they're milling around the psychic, um, psychiatric hospital, they go into a room and there's a sarcophagus that's unopened. And everyone, oh, that's yeah. got to be Jake Loxley, but well, they never got around well, to it. Well, not only that, but like uh, mid, in mid-adventure, they're like, yes, was they, that you? No, that wasn't me. That wasn't me. me. Yeah. Right? We, we have some situations that <clears throat> the body did something horrific, killed yeah. some guys, and neither and it other- It wasn't and, them. And Stephen and Mark were like, oh, we, we didn't do it. So that post-credit scene is brilliant to me because it's the idea of like, oh, the this, mystical god is all like, oh, the other two personalities don't want to have any part of this? We didn't ask Jake what's up. Or just up. the concept of a superhero, a self-conflicting superhero, right? Right. Not just any self-conflicting superhero. A superhero that relies, that's a that that's based super on, on super, supernatural forces. Right. Ch- imagine Shazam having like, a you know. Third per- a second or third personality. Right, you know. And I, I'm not crazy about that. The Shazamming of him, giving him like super mystical powers that don't seem to have... Neither explanation nor limits, because it's like, well, how many, how much random bullshit can he just throw that right. comes out of nowhere? Is there the five, six? Does he have a limit? Ten? I don't know. That's the part of it where I was just like, kind of <clears throat> like, I don't know if you stuck the landing on this. I can't say it was bad. I, Oscar Isaac earns his money, and you know, Ed will know. I'm not the biggest Oscar Isaac guy. I I feel to a degree. I, I'll, if I'll be honest, I think he's a little overrated with this, a lot of the stuff he's done. I've never been blown away by him. Here, though, I'm not blown away by what he did as, as my, in the side <clears throat> but it's good. And he he sells it. It's a good, solid performance. But overall, can I, can I, can I, would I recommend this to someone who's a longtime Moon Knight fan like me? I don't know if I could. And do I... Do I absolutely want to see more of this character in the universe? 
Yes, because I'm a but Moon Knight now, fan, but not necessarily that. yes because of what they did on the show. One thing they do not get into, even though it's been you've confirmed it, that uh, it does take place in the MCU yeah. proper, right? Uh, we don't get any other post-credit scenes where you know Contessa. We, yeah, we don't have any Contessa thing. Says, hey, I need, yeah, I'm recruiting you. We don't. We don't get any Doctor Strange. Where does he fit in all of this? In, the, in where do the Egyptian gods fit? Where does that, they, where does the Egyptian gods fit? Because the Egyptian gods in here come off as legit gods, not whatever they're trying to sell us with Thor. And this is and not only that, but this is an MCU that again you're dealing with uh, space giants right. that are using the universe as a petri dish, right? right. You know, in Thor, uh, if you happen to see the, the, uh, the god of uh, uh, love and thunder. Uh, they're going to introduce Zeus. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, where does here, everything fit? Here? I don't like. There's some of that for the, surly for the, F. Murray Abraham with a bird with, with a with, with a with a bird skeleton who apparently has legit mystical power that like insane mystical power. These, like the things that mm-hmm. they like, just that whole like skyline thing. That's like, well, that's maybe the mo- after the snap. <clears throat> Yeah, that's maybe the most powerful cosmic thing we've ever seen. How did he do that? They never explained it. So it is so, yeah, on those levels, I don't know how excited I am to, like, I want it. Like, there's the thing. I kind of want to see where they're going with the whole Jake Loxley thing. Yeah. I wish it were, like, classic Moon Knight because it would, it's smaller. It makes, it's more. Here it's like, how, where, where was, like, th- I'm not normally one of those guys that <clears> says, <throat> where were the other superheroes? Now, but we- I'm sorry. When Khonshu shifted all the constellations, <laughs> like, Wong and Strange should have been there, like, in a second. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wong at least. You know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, now, now, there's no confirmation yet whether we're getting a, a season two, season, yeah. Right? But I'm very confident that uh, that we're going to see more Moon Knight in the future, and I'm pretty excited because uh, now Oscar has to figure out. Well, I've got to, I've got to do three acts. Yeah, right. Three characters in one scene. Four, technically, if you really count Moon Knight as its own separate that thing. That is true. Right. And uh, again, I would. Yeah, they're power sharing now, which is I like, would you know, like, like I, I definitely would like to see him interact with other, but I would need more definition of what the hell is going on. Yeah, I don't know. What like, are his limits? What can he can and cannot do? What, what can and can't do? What does it mean when do? Stephen Grant, like, you know, appears as Mr. Moon Knight? Yeah, uh, Mr. Mr. Knight in the Mr. suit. Um, but it's not here. Look, they did get two powered characters out of this. Yeah. You can parlay Layla. Three. Oh, 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 I thought you meant <laughs> Mr. Knight, Moon Knight, and, 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 right, right. and, Scott, but, but whoever, and whatever Jake Lockley's going to look like <clears throat> in the costume, because that's the sole other thing. But you got Moon Knight and you got Layla, two powered characters mm. that you can parlay into whatever you're going to do in the future, up to and including, in my opinion, I don't know. Everyone thinks the Contessa, Julia Louise Dyfus character, is collecting Thunderbolts, or she's collecting Dark, Dark Avengers. Avengers. I. I think she's collecting West Coast Avengers. <laughs> Everyone, I know people think that, but if you look at who, it's like uh, U.S. Agent. Okay, he was West Coast Avenger. War Machine, Rhodey. West Coast Avenger. Scott Scarlet William. Witch, West Coast Avenger. Uh, Tigress. Tig- well, I mean, we don't know where we're there, but it, it is like, it's like Moon Knight, West Coast Avenger. It's like, uh, you got a lineup uh-huh. of West Coast Avenger. Hawkeye, you could uh, either bringing in Kate or Kate and Clint. So it's kind of like, are we, 
are you guys doing? Are you guys going to be the biggest swerve of all time? Or it's going to be like, no, not Thunderbolts. We don't know where the not MCU Dark is Avengers. Going, man. I mean, not even the regular Avengers. We're going West Coast Avengers, baby. You know. <laughs> Join us next time for our next show where we get into more MCU. Yes, because uh uh uh. uh after after Moon Knight, the next thing that is coming out has come out is uh, Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange, mm-hmm. with uh, America Ferrara, America Chavez, and the Scarlet Witch, and and uh, if you've been paying attention to the interwebs, a whole other lot of special guest stars uh, showing up. And I promise you, Ed, I will have Go seen watch it. Season two of Picard. I will not watch season two of Picard. I'll watch Multiverse of Madness, and I'm going to contact. Your lawyers, because this is elder abuse, Sir, <laughs> Sir Stewart. This is elder abuse. I agree to all the terms. Conservatorship. It's a conservatorship for Picard. So uh, <laughs> please join us again uh, next time. And thank you for uh, joining us. And until next time, to be continued. Thanks for listening to To Be Continued, the Fanboy Podcast. Thanks, Clark. Please also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also our various platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.